spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Congratulations, your morning just got a bit classier. A media legend, a ferocious linebacker, a clueless producer, and you. Searching for a replacement window online? Visit windownation.com today. So raise a glass and act accordingly. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, let's do it live on a Monday edition of the program. Dave Biddle in for threes. How you doing, Bids? I am doing well, Bo. It's uh, big shoes to fill when uh, the little animal is not here, sir. But uh, since I don't have to tackle anybody, I think I'm gonna do a good job. Right. So we'll see how it goes. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I mean, it was a it was a pretty wild and full sports weekend, and we had garbage weather uh, Saturday. Decent weather, yet yeah, great. Yesterday was amazing, um, and so there was a lot to take in. But then also, you start to get a little bit of the itch. Because football is starting to infringe. Uh, Big 12 Media Days last week. We have SEC Media Days ongoing now. And then we're at the end of the week. It, it, it's going to be here before you know it. I mean, I think Browns report two weeks from Friday. Bengals coming soon as, as well. Summer's about over, bud. It really is. It feels like, you know, the uh, yearly trip to Chicago, which won't be Chicago this year. We'll get into that in a second. Um, we didn't even have Big Ten Media Days last year. That's kind of the right. unofficial end of summer for guys that do what we do, you know. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But our summer kind of starts early. It feels like after the spring game is kind of when our summer starts. So don't feel sorry for us. I can't wait. I mean, I am so looking forward to Big Ten football this year after having at least we had a season last year, but, you know, yeah. quote, unquote, unquote, season. The stat that sticks out to me the most is the Buck guys had five regular season games last year and three postseason games it's just right. it's just crazy <laughs> all the crazy things that that can go on i tell you what man there's a lot i'm looking forward to it's going to be an indie all of ohio state stuff is on friday the way they break it up they do for the listeners out there i know you know this bow they, they do seven teams on thursday seven teams on friday so all of ohio state stuff will be on friday it's in indy this year we'll see if that becomes a permanent thing or if they'll move it back to chicago i imagine they'll move it back to chicago that's where it's been for ages um yeah but easier I'm, for btn i'm excited right? it's going to be an in indie i love chicago i love it but like everything is right there in indy as you know Bo. so it's like so hotels restaurants lucas oil stadium it's all right there so i cannot wait for a big 10 media days and college football is going to be here before we know it well there's been and and honestly like sometimes i think we make a bigger deal of this in you know it's because of what we do like i don't know that the average fan you know is worried about what the the third star you know, certainly here they would care, but what the third star at, at uh, Nebraska is doing, because everybody brings three players to that thing. But what, what I do recall from it is, and I remember the first time Nebraska was there, and they brought Levante, David, and Jared Crick. And that was a big deal, that Nebraska was at Big Ten Media Days. And it was kind, it's kind of like the, the day when you realize things have changed, that we've transitioned from 2021 to 22 for the rest of the league. We're used to seeing the Ohio State guys that we're going to see and uh, you know, we're, what, Alave, Harrison, who's the other, who's the three that we're sending? And Thayer Munford. Thayer, okay. Yep. So, you know, we've talked to those guys a lot. We've seen them. We know who they are, and that, and that, that kind of is what it is. But in terms of the rest of the league, the, the Nebraska showing up the first time was a big deal uh, with Crick and those guys. And then the, the big deal was Harbaugh. 
Yeah. When Harbaugh showed up. That was a big deal when Harbaugh showed up. And we'll get into him in the 10 o'clock hour because it, when, when, and you remember this, he was, it was like Elvis was in the building. Especially it really when it was, was like Urban. They, he was a super duper star. Yeah. I mean, Especially he was coming like, off of any job he wanted in the NFL. He could have had, um, any job in college he could have had. And he chose to come to Michigan. We already had Urban at that time here. And so we knew what Ohio State was all about. But when he was over there, it was like, okay, it's on. It's about to be on. Yeah, I almost regret saying this, but I remember thinking when Harbaugh was hired and it, literally his press conference to be introduced as Michigan's head coach was when we were on the road getting ready to cover Ohio State in, I believe it was before the Alabama game. So yeah, that we were like in New yep. Orleans watching the press conference. I remember thinking, uh, first of all, hopefully Ohio State, you know, beats Alabama and wins the national championship uh, sure. this year. So that, that worked out well. But I remember thinking, Bo, we're in for, I, w- I was going to call it the five-year war. I didn't think maybe it was going to last 10 years. But I, I thought agree, it was going to yeah. be a back-and-forth five-year war. Instead, Ohio State has just destroyed them. Yeah, 2016 was close, but uh, the other games, not close. I mean, 2017 was somewhat close. The game Dwayne had to come in. They won that game 31-20, to but um, that was the closest other than 2016. The rest have all been blowouts. I never saw this coming. Uh, and you're right about Harbaugh being a, you know, he is. It, it was a Urban was the same way. It's like, and they oh, always, yeah. always split up Ohio like State and Michigan, and they still do that. Like Even this week, they have Harbaugh going last on Thursday and Ryan Day going last on Friday, which is the same thing they would yeah. do. Urban would walk in. It was just like the Beatles were here. You know, Harbaugh yep. would walk in. It was like you know, you know, whatever. Well, they were coming um, off of Brady too. Like he was, you know, Brady was so out of his depth. You yes. know, it was Rich and Brady, and they neither one was Brady tried. And honestly, if you think about you know, in you know their program, you know, Rich left it far worse than he got it. It was in pretty good shape when he got it, and it was that was an unmitigated disaster. Hook left it a lot better shape than he got it. They're pretty good. I mean, he he actually won some recruiting wars. I mean, we remember those. He won some recruiting wars, even against us. And Harbaugh, compared to where he picked it up, he stabilized immediately. But he hasn't been interested in recruiting and development, and and that's been his undoing. So it, it yeah, it is. And I, you know, so I think it's a big, I think it's a huge year for him. And and we'll get into that as one of our twenty questions going into next season. Um, but I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the media. I'm excited to to kind of get the football juices flowing. SEC Media Day is going. I think they start today. Who, if if you had to pick, who's going to say something that's going to grab a headline? And we'll get to in the eleven o'clock hour. We're going to get into these Texas A and M kids who are making money off interviews. Which coach down there in SEC in uh, in Hoover is going to be the one to make make a little attention this week? Oh, I was thinking you were going to ask me about Big Ten. Uh, I was going to go with Bielema. I think he's going to say something stupid. But well, he you're, has you're to go though, right? SEC. He's at Illinois. Like, what's he going to do? He's got to try. I wish he wasn't he there. To. I wish he was at. I wish he was in Michigan. Honestly, like he's a, such a great enemy. Like I'm gonna, it stinks. He's at Illinois. <laughs> yeah, so I'll go with Lane Kiffin. I mean, right? Is that the easiest mm-hmm. pick? I mean, he's out there recruiting well. Yeah, which is you know, <laughs> you knew he would <laughs> fill fill in the the joke there about uh, Ole well, Miss we when when they're recruiting well, right? But like, you well, start listen, thinking, we oh, can't uh, even. We can't even take umbrage with that anymore, because now well, there is no cheating in recruiting. Well, no, that I, don't, I, I disagree because so, you away can have we go. The, and you can do that. You can still double dip. You can have the bag man. You know, give you something under the table yeah. and do the nil. Uh, you know, so Fitz, there I, is no NCAA anymore. They've pushed the chips in. They don't care. It's over. Oh, I hear you There's on that. No, yeah. They're not administering anything. I mean, it's done. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> Absolute bonkers we're headed for. I think you have it though. I think Kiffin. That's he would probably be an odds-on favorite. I I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if something happens in the Mullen Smart. You know that there's maybe some back and forth between them. Um, that thing is crazy. That's the craziest thing you've ever seen. Is that thing in uh, 
in Hoover with, with the way the SEC did it. And the others have followed suit. The SEC always went early. Usually they go last week. Uh, but the Big 12 moved up. Big 10 moved up. Usually we were like last week of July, weren't we, historically? Yeah. Yeah, I think that they, yeah, they eventually figured, like, okay, maybe we should uh, move this up and get with the party a little bit so we're not forgotten about. Because by the time the Big Ten would go, it'd be people would have, like, fatigue of media days. Like, fans yes. around the country, even if you're a Big Ten fan, you're probably watching SEC media days today. You're just so glad college football's here. Not actually games yet, obviously, but, man, it's just around the corner, and media days are fun. They really yeah, are, they are. Whether, whether you're watching them from home, whether you're there covering them. Um, I mean, because it's not—it's like nothing else, as you know, Bo. Where you get every head coach there, you get three players, and the three—you know—of the top players from each team there, and all the the media covering, um, you know, the different teams, and not just like the beat writers, but the, you know, the TV guys are there, radio guys yeah. are there. It's really, really cool. It's like it's unlike anything else. A bunch of former players from all the schools are there, fans are there. Um, it's just such a cool event, and it's it's one of those things that you know I really missed last year. One of the many things that uh, we missed yeah. about 2020. Well, and I think the, you know, the other thing about it, and I think the reason it, and we've had some big ones, and obviously Urban responding to the Zach Smith stuff, that was a big day. It was a big day, because nobody sure knew how that was going to go, and how it went kind of dictated what happened on that front. But I mean, it was, those type, it's the first time for a coach to be on the record about, you know, something that happened this summer. And so this name, image, and likeness thing, I think is going to be something that they're all going to try to clear the hurdle on it, and I think it's going to be a moving target. So I think it's going to be tough. But we'll get into that. Lots of fun. I saw this from your Cincinnati Bengals here in the last 10 minutes. So they, they tweeted this out. Uh-oh. Yeah. No, no, it's good news, I think. Oh, Today okay, we okay. set the tone for the 2021 season <laughs> as we launch our new campaign, Rule the Jungle. Build, win, rule. This is the path forward. I can't tell. So it says, Rule the Jungle signifies the high standard and energy we expect to see on the field, in the stands, and in all areas of our organization. The rule is powerful. Great empires are built by the bold. That's the. Um, I'm. I'm wondering if it's just like a marketing line. Yeah, it seems has to like be it, because right? when I hear Empire and Cincinnati Bengals, <laughs> even being a diehard Bengal fan, I sit here yeah. and laugh. I can imagine what Steeler fans think about that when they hear that. Right. Um, yeah, man. You know what? I, I like the direction of the organization. I'm not, um, and I've been very critical of them. I mean, they're actually spending money. This is now two off seasons where they have spent yeah. money. It really feels like Mike Brown's finally. There was talk he's given up control to Katie Blackburn and some of the other people in the front office. Um, yeah, sounds like that's actually happened finally. Um, but still, they're not there yet, and I need to see it to believe. But I believe in Joe Burrow 100. percent I, I, I love that they have him, even coming yeah. off the leg injury. They're doing some good things down there, but yeah, I'm still not sold on Zach Taylor. Um, he's probably better than what I thought he was. I thought he was going to be a complete bust. I've seen some good things with him, and his players really like him. We'll see. This is a make or break year for him. He can't have another terrible year. So yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely marketing. That's definitely. How yeah, about they, you know how how about they win in. a playoff game for the first time since the Bo Jackson right. game? And that was Has 1990. That? 1990 was me? the last time they've won. A Is that real? Even going into last year before the Browns beat the Steelers, I've always was pointing out the Browns have won a playoff game more recently than the Bengals because the Browns won one in 95. Yeah, the Bo Jackson curse is real. <laughs> they tackled oh Bo Jackson. Oh my gosh, I ended guess in my career. mind's eye. Yeah, I remember that vividly. I was a huge Bo guy with the name being similar. Course, so yeah. I was, yeah. you know, I was big into the Bo Nose world, but I. I remember that game vividly, but I, I guess I just assumed they won one again with Boomer, and I guess in my head I thought they won one with Carson. 
They they did not. They um you know they had that uh, good start against the Steelers where you know Carson had that bomb right. to Chris Henry, but he got he got his leg just completely just Kimmy Van just Olhoff bent right? up against yeah, against Von Olhoff and a former Bengal just d- dove in there. Now that'd be no, it wouldn't have mattered. It still would have hurt him. Now that would have been a penalty. It wasn't even a penalty back then. So no. and they almost right. beat him. They almost beat him the one time when they, when McCarron was playing quarterback because Dalton was hurt, and that's the game where it was a you know Jeremy Hill fumbled late. And, uh, and then you had uh, Pac-Man Jones with some stupid, or maybe it was maybe it was uh, perfect. One of the idiots had some <laughs> had some helmet to helmet, you know, call That's where right. the Steelers were able to win. But yeah, the Bengals have not. They beat the Oilers in 1990. They blew them out, and then the next week they played the L.A. Raiders in L.A. Sure, and a linebacker named Walker tackled Bo and, and uh, ended his career. And the Bengals have not won a playoff game since. Man, I didn't realize it was that. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So yeah, I mean they. They, they, they're probably not there yet, but I'm with you. I think, I love their offense. I mean, I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I think as a, you know, if you're, if, when you're building something, like you're not looking, if I'm a, if I'm a, from my perspective, I'm a Bengals fan. I don't, I'm not worried about playoffs. I just want it to look like, right with Joe. Like go eight and nine, go seven and ten. Right. Just have him throw for 4,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 picks. And then I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. That's all I need to see. And then next year we, then we start to go because, I think offensively, to me, they're the second scariest team in the division. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw Roethlisberger's arm the last half of the season, but it ain't there. And I don't know that it's going to get better in an off season. And I think the Ravens are really scary on a one-off. But I think when you have time, I don't know that it's sustainable. I think it's a big year for them, too. And I hear all this stuff about they're going to put Lamar under center. I do not have any interest in that. Like, let him be him. So I, I love that Bengals offense. I think it's going to be pretty scary. We had a... Uh, Really fun sports weekend. Uh, lots to get to on that front. We will get into that coming up here in a second. Um, a, an all-time Buckeye great retires from the league. We will get to that. Your Columbus Blue Jackets protected, unprotected list. We'll tell you who did it, who made it, and who didn't, and why it's significant. Question number six of our 20 questions that we need answered over the course of the next year is on Michigan football. Angelique Chingalis will join us of the Detroit News to discuss Jim Harbaugh and where he is and where he is not as a program. Plus, Big Ten Media Days, we're paying athletes for, for interviews now. Is that a dangerous trend? It's a wild trend. I don't know how you're going to govern it. So a lot to get to. Thrilled to have Biddle in for Laurenitis today. Off and running on a Monday. Bishop and Laurenitis right here in the fan. We are everywhere. On your radio. Online. The fan app. Alexa. And behind you in your car. Right now. Too creepy? Sorry. The fan. Ohio sports destination. First Fridays are a thing. Drinking bad bourbon is not a thing. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And brought to you by our great friends at Window Nation. If you're in need of search for placement windows, I encourage you to check them out at windownation.com. They will take care of you the way that they take care of us at 866-90NATION. Today, Dave Biddle in for threes today and for the next couple of days as well. What were you most interested in from a sports capacity this weekend you had open championship you had the nba finals baseball back obviously you had the crew with the uh getting their first win at the new dig so that was cool as well what what caught your attention most it was a great weekend but the unfortunately the thing that i was most invested in was the reds and they got swept so that that was bad but i i love seeing morikawa uh win yesterday we had a chance Right before he blew up on these very airwaves last year, he was on. I was co-hosting with Anthony Rothman, and, and Anthony got him on Rothman and he was Ice. on the show. 
he was on the show and it was um, when he was in town and he had just won uh, in Columbus and then was playing in the Memorial. But it was before, obviously, he won the PGA. So it was right before he blew up as a big star and it was such a cool interview. Um, and Anthony like has a great nickname for him, Mora Cowbell. <laughs> and right. here's, I, here's a funny part of the story. So he asked him about it. He's like, hey, I got to let you know. Oh, and I think it's the name of Anthony's like fantasy golf team. He's like, I named my fantasy golf team Mora Cowbell. He's like, do, do you even know that SNL skit? And Colin Mora Cow was like, you know, trying to be polite, but he was like, no, no, sir, I don't. And, and Anthony's like, yeah, we're showing our age here. So that was just a funny story. So, we, yeah, we got a chance to interview him right here in the fan right before he blew up as a big star. So he's kind of become my favorite golfer, and uh, it was really cool seeing him win. He's a, he's an absolute machine. But uh, what was your favorite thing over the weekend, Bo? That was it. That was it. Um, I love the Open. I love it. It's my favorite major. Um, I love the idea of it being on when I wake up. I love the idea of them having to hit shots that they don't normally hit because the courses are so different. I mean, the, the rest of the golf that I watch, obviously, is on, it's on traditionally American courses where the shots are pretty similar. You drive it down the middle, you hit it to the green, you go putt. And here, you don't necessarily pull driver. You don't necessarily – you have to worry about bounce. You have to worry about swales. I mean, we had moguls in the, in the fairway yesterday. Uh, at at this hor- at at the course in in England, and so it, I love the fact that it just looks different from everything else we play. And then when you add to it the fact that they had stunning weather, I mean there wasn't wind, there wasn't rain. I mean it was just yesterday was eighty and bluebird day, like that never happens. It was the warmest day of the year in England, and they had it yesterday. So they had these flawless conditions. I thought it was cool how. I love how you hit a perfect drive, but you don't know how it's going to bounce because the the fairways are rock hard. So it can go any number of places, and they're trying to make sense of it. I thought that was great. I thought Spieth was awesome and yeah. put all the pressure you could, could have on Morikawa. And I think in order for it to be great, you had to have that, right? You had to have the pressure, and nobody else was willing or able to do that, and Spieth did. And for Morikawa to you, – you said machine. That's pretty close to what it was. It was almost – you know, kind of reminded you of when Kepka, you know, would won those back to back PGA U.S. Open and PGAs, like just unflappable, just completely no. It appeared to be completely with, void of nerve. Um, even when he was in trouble, would quickly get out of it, hit it, and he wasn't in trouble much. But when he was, he would save par, and was just a cool customer. And now joins Tiger Woods as guys who've won the PGA and open before they're 25. So that's a, that's good, a that's pretty a good remarkable list. company. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good list to be on. You and Tiger uh, are the only ones that have ever done this. I mean, yeah, I, he and he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's, he's an old school golfer, as they were saying, you know, on the telecast yesterday. I mean, he's a, he's a guy, he's like 114th in drive distance, but like, you know, second in accuracy and first in a lot of categories. He's an old school player yeah. that relies on accuracy. He's not trying to crush the ball out there. And, uh, he put on a show and again, 24 yeah, years did. old, as I said, he's 24 going on 40. He's so mature. And, sure. uh, I tell you what, even, even the ceremony afterward, you could see it the way he was introducing the amateur champion or the high, the guy that finished highest, yep. uh, as far as the amateurs, he just has a presence about him, Morikawa does, where he is just, yeah, unflappable is a great word for him. On the course, off the course, and we could be looking at a guy that's going to be an absolute superstar. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to finish with like five majors in his career. We'll see how many he gets to, but I think he's going to win quite a few. 
You know, it's so hard with these kids, though, because the same we would have said about Spieth, the same we would have said about Rory, um, and, and probably others that, that, oh, boy, they're going to win 10. They're going to win 8 or 9. But the hard thing with these, with these guys now is, and a lot of it's because of what Tiger did to the game, like financially, they're set. And usually financially, you know, money is a big motivator. Let's win. Let's make, you know, that's a big motivator in this. But like so many of these guys are so set financially that you just wonder if the drive is the same as it was. It's pretty remarkable that Rory's gone now, what, seven years without winning a major? Seven full seasons since he won a major. I want to say his last one was a PGA at uh, down in Louisville. It was the last time that he won a major. Um, and and the same, you think about Spieth, how quickly he won those majors. And he hasn't won in a while, and you just wonder, like, is the is you? It takes somebody special to have the 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 thing that defines you be not financial, and I have to think it contributes. I mean, Rory's worth a couple hundred million dollars. You know, is he grinding the same way he was when he was coming up? I don't know. I don't know if he is or not. Use him as the example, just because of all the talent, and he played himself out of it early in this one. I think about Ricky Fowler that way. I mean, Ricky Fowler's in. You watch a golf tournament; he's in every other commercial. Right. But he's not won a major. <laughs> Never won a you know? major. <laughs> no. But he's loaded. You're right. He's That's a great point. Like, yeah, if he didn't have, if he wasn't literally a multimillionaire, would he have more of a drive to be a great golfer? I mean, it's a great question. I'm sure he trains Are you hard. Grinding? But what, is he yeah. is he training hard uh, as he would? You know, is it yeah, does know. some of that hunger go away? I think it's a great point because I'm I do I remember thinking the same thing that I just said about Morikawa with Spieth. I just have a, yeah. a different feeling. Morikawa just seems like maybe he just kind of there's something different about him. Again, it's easy to say that now when he's coming off his second sure. major. Really easy to say that you know the the day after, um, especially as well as he played. But um, it does seem something different about him. But yeah, I remember saying the same thing about Spieth. I'm like, man, he's gonna win yeah. like ten, uh, and he's still stuck on three. Um, but he's coming back though. He he looked really he good looked yesterday. Good. He looked really good. That was awesome. And he had those those two bogeys. You're thinking, oh well, he's done. And then bam, gets the eagle to get back to nine under, and then just took off from there. And yeah, and you're right. It would still have been fun to see Morikawa win, but like it wouldn't have been as fun if Spieth didn't step up because Louis completely went away. <laughs> like he, went he away. completely yeah, went mean, away. <laughs> it was cool just to just even though it was a two shot lead. I would have loved for it to be a one shot lead, but even a two shot lead and having Morikawa have to drive it down the middle on eighteen. Like, just the little pressure of that. And then he had to step away from the ball. So, I, you know, that gives you a little bit of juice. Uh, NBA Finals, the Bucks have won three in a row. Uh, they can close it out tomorrow. I'm a little surprised this game isn't tonight. I don't know why. I don't know if there's market research that says Tuesdays are better than Mondays. And that's why they're doing it Tuesday. But they played the, you know, game five was on Saturday. So, I don't, you know, I don't know what to, and you're in the, are they in the same place? Are they in? No, no, they're in. No, they're in. Yeah, are they doing? I think okay, it so it's a three. Six, they're going seven. a three, two. Yeah. Or 2-2-1-1-1. Two, 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 one, one, one. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so Milwaukee can win at home. Th- yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this is crazy, <laughs> man. When it, got, when it got to 2-0, I would have bet heavy. Good thing I didn't. Yeah. I would have bet heavy that the Suns right. were going to win the series. Like, a lot. I, if you're, you know, 2-0, like, maybe they won't sweep. Maybe they win in five, but... They're going to win the series, and maybe they still will. But man, I did not see the Bucks coming back like this. And good, it's made it a uh, very intriguing series. Yeah, and I think the ascent of Giannis now, because I mean, if he can close this out, and he's had some moments in this series, you know, the the side, the baseline to baseline alley oop, the the play where he blocks the shot on the alley oop. I mean, he's had some moments, and he's just been brilliant. So this this can kind of change the trajectory of his career if he can close this out and. And win this uh, win this series in six at home. 
uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, good to see the crew get the first win at the new dome as well, the new stadium. Uh, they went 2-1 over New York, so that was fun to see a little bit of that over the weekend as well and to see the enthusiasm kind of carry over uh, from the opener to the second game there. Uh, we had a big retirement um, over uh, on Friday. Uh, Friday afternoon, a big retirement from the NFL. We'll reflect on Ted Ginn Jr. Coming up next, Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The biggest guests, earth-shattering opinions, and Maddie making Anthony do push-ups during commercial breaks. I can't feel my legs. My bad, bro. Rockman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. It's Bishop and Laurinaitis's What's Up. What's up, man? So for you. Sponsored by your Central Ohio Honda dealers. All right, here's what's up on a Monday edition. Uh, Teddy Ginn Jr. retiring, which makes us all feel old. We acknowledge that right away, that he's retiring from the end of 14 seasons in the league. Uh, boy, time flies. Uh, Bids, I have seen, uh, unfortunately, I have seen Ted Ginn Jr. play one play in person. And that was it. It was that one. And um, at the time I was in Florida and was covering that national championship game from the Florida side of things. And oh I actually gosh. moved to Columbus four months later. So I covered, I covered Florida... <laughs> Ohio State in the football game from the Florida side of things, and then I covered the, the Final Four national championship game from the Florida side of things, and I moved to Columbus in in uh, in May of 2007, and and so that's that's how that lined up. So I saw him play one play, and uh, it's interesting. But the one play when he did it, I thought, well, that's this is going to be a beatdown. This is what this is going to be because that dude is. There, there's nothing I've ever seen like that dude as fast as he was. He was shot out of a cannon um, and returned it for a touchdown. And then, of course, we know the history from that point. My guess is you've seen a lot more Ted Ginn Jr. plays in person than I have, um, and, as you would. Um, but he was an electric, electric player. And kind of to me, at least, and I'm curious where you sit on this, one of the, when I think back of Tressel's early success in recruiting, he's one of the first names I think of. Uh, because of how big of a deal Ted Ginn Jr. was. And the pipeline that opened up, in part because of him. And you covered it more than I. That's my perception from somebody who wasn't here. Where do you sit on when I when I say that name to you, Ted Ginn Jr.? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. First of all, he's the fastest Ohio yeah. State player that I've covered, and maybe that I've seen even going back to when I was a fan from a little kid. And that's saying a lot, considering some of yeah, the speed burners. burners. I think Galloway ran, I think Joey Galloway ran like 4-2 at the Combine. So... And Galloway can bench like 500. He's a freak. So, right. there's a, you know, Terry Glenn. Still is. There's some others. But as far as, and maybe it would be combine speed, but as far as just pure football speed, and again, I don't say this lightly, he's the fastest, Ted Ginn. And then, yeah, you hit it. That Cleveland-Glenville pipeline was so good to Ohio State. It's kind of dried up a little bit, mostly because seniors now, um, you know, not involved in all of that. But, um, yeah, that was huge. I mean, look at all the guys they got. I mean, Ted Ginn being the biggest name as far as lengthy NFL career, but Troy Smith, you know, was from there on and on and on. Marshawn Lattimore, I and mean, we can name so many guys from Cleveland, Glenville. Yeah. Um, so those are the two biggest things. That were, I mean, and you do wonder because you know Tress was not. I'm, I'm the biggest Tressel fan you're going to find. He wasn't the national recruiter that Urban uh, is or was. He's not the national recruiter that Ryan Day and his staff are right now. But uh, man, he locked down the state of Ohio, and that's what they needed to do when he took over. I mean, Michigan owned Ohio State, and Tressel called his shot from day one. He said. You know, in 310 days, you know, gave the 310 day speech. Not really a guarantee, but pretty much a guarantee. And then he pulls it off, goes nine and one against Michigan. Uh, and yeah, Ted Ginn. Another thing that stands out about Ted Ginn, we'll all remember the draft when the Dolphins.
Dolphins drafted him. Dolphins fans are booing. They wanted Brady Quinn. And how you like me now? 14 years in the league. Was yeah. he a superstar in the NFL? No, but he had a really, really good NFL career and a very lengthy win, and he will be a rich man for years to come. Feel so great for Ted Ginn. I always thought he was going to – you know what's funny? I covered his recruitment a little bit because I did recruiting back yeah. then. That's all I talk about showing my age. I thought he'd be a corner. I thought it'd be a cool. Yeah. And when he showed up at Ohio State, like it, his throughout his freshman year, Bo, people were asking him, Ted, you going to play and going into a sophomore year? Ted, you going to play both ways this year? We were all convinced he's going to play corner, right? That's that's where his future is. He's going to play, or maybe he's going to play both ways like Chris Gamble did. We're the same unit. It's the same number, sure. number seven. Um, it was so funny. That was a big storyline. And Tress was like, no, he's a punt returner and he's a wide receiver. That's what that's what he's going to do. Wasn't he the USA Today, the defensive player of the year? Do I have that's, that right? I think, you, I think that was something like that, which is why we all assume. They're, yeah, yeah, I think I you're right. I want to say, something that was a like big that. deal in those days. Like, they would, you know, right right, right around Christmas time, USA Today would put their high school All-American teams out, and it was offensive and defensive players of the year. And I want to say that Teddy won that. I could be wrong, but I, I want to say that he won defensive player of the year. Um, you bring up a great point, and it's one that I think the kids uh, need to pay attention to. You have to remember that at that time, when Tress took over the job, Michigan not only owned Ohio State on the football field, they did a nice job in the state of Ohio mm-hmm. recruiting. They got after it. They won a lot of battles, especially in Northeast Ohio. Charles Woodson. And for Oh, gosh. Jeez. I mean, their most important players oftentimes are Ohioans. Um, and you, so you look back and you think to yourself, what Jim Tressel had to do at that time was he had to turn the spigot off. And he had to put a wall around the state of Ohio, and especially northeast Ohio, because that is where you're talking about the Cleveland area, you're talking about Stark County, uh, Summit County, and Akron. Those areas are hotbeds in recruiting, and they still are pretty strong even to this day. Not what they were, uh, but still very strong to this day. But those are, those are battles that he had to win. And when I think of those players, I mean, I think of Teddy, um, obviously, I mean, you think of Zwick. You think Claret. of guys who were Claret was Claret huge too. Was a that, monster. That's that a great a, point. Yeah, and he he was on record. I should have brought this up. He, he was on record because <laughs> Maurice wasn't afraid to tell you anything. If Cooper was sure. still the coach, I wouldn't be here. He probably would have went would to he Michigan. Been at Michigan. He probably yeah. would have went to Michigan. He said he flat out said if Cooper was still here, can can you blame him? I mean, Cooper went yeah. two ten and one against Michigan. People say, well, Cooper was good except for Michigan. That's not true. There are things called bowl games. Cooper was three and eight in bowl games. Didn't even make a bowl twice. So it wasn't that he just wasn't good against Michigan. He wasn't good against in, Pretty much in big games, period. He beat Notre Dame a couple of times. He was good against Penn State overall, but it was Michigan and bowl games. Yeah, and Claret. That was the that was the one that really got things going for Trestle. Um, although Ginn was a, was ranked even higher than Claret, but Claret because it was so yeah. early and everybody wanted him. And uh, and Claret saying, "I wouldn't have taken this, you know, I would have taken this job. I would not have. I wouldn't be a Buckeye if Trestle wasn't here." And then both being from Youngstown certainly helped. Claret, a USA Today Offensive Player of the Year, and you were correct. Bo, Ted Ginn, 2003, Defensive nice Player of the Year by USA Today. The year before him, Antonio nice. Cromartie, so it shows you the level of player there. Yeah, so it's Bo, yeah, that Defensive Anto- Player of the Year, the yeah. USA Today Defensive Player of the Year, I Teddy Ginn. Yeah. I covered Antonio Cromartie. He was a Tallahassee Lincoln kid, um, so I covered him in high school as well. And So I, I remember those kids kind of all matching up at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, he was he was a stunning talent, and it's a good point on Claret because, you know, that area, if you think like Prescott Burgess, Goes to Michigan. Like, they were getting those kids that were close. They're, you know, Crable was a kid out of Maslin. Like, they were getting kids from that area 
that were becoming good, really good, great players at Michigan, and Tress shut it down. Mm-hmm. So these are my guys, and I got them now. And that was, if you think about Tressel's success, um, it is it is on the backs of Ohioans. You know, he didn't. It wasn't until the end that he was getting Pryor in Pennsylvania and, and getting Shugerts and Brewster from Florida and Texas. I mean, that was that was something that he was he was an Ohio, he was putting a rope around Ohioans, and these are my guys. And won a national championship and played for a couple others doing it that way. So, um, and I always think of Teddy in, in that. He was, he was pure joy to watch, man. He was fun. He was really fun. And you wonder, you know, like what he could have done in an offense like the one we play in now, you know, that wasn't so, you know, traditional, I guess, for lack of a better, it's become traditional now, but a true spread offense or even Urban's offense with the power and those, those jet sweeps and stuff. Cause he didn't do that stuff. That's not what you did in those days. I mean, there wasn't the variety for, for a player of Ted's ability, but an incredible career, an incredible... And I think he'll go down... I saw this over the weekend. I think he'll go down as one of the coolest. You know, there's a lot of really cool guys who've worn that jersey, but I think his name will consistently be brought up. You mentioned Gamble and uh, Galloway and some of those other guys. I think of Braxton, certainly, in that category of just looked so cool on a football field. Mike Doss, yeah. those guys. And Teddy's one of those guys that you look... That's seven... And the way it looked it was just sensational. Really was. It was How awesome. about that number seven for the Buckeyes? I mean, we just mentioned Galloway, Gamble, Gann all wore seven. Uh, Jermaine wore seven. Uh, going way back, Corny Green was a really good quarterback during the Archie Griffin sure, days. Wore the number seven. I'm going to leave so many guys out here. I mean, like what is the what um, when you what do you think banks? is the number? <laughs> well, ten, yeah, hopefully ten ten's ten's been really good. Seven would be in the discussion for sure. Um, Two. Two's pretty uh, good. Two, two's been good, especially uh, this century so far. Um, you yeah. know, with Mike well, Dawson. Chris, Chris and, Carter, too. That's right. right? Chris he Carter. Two, that's, wasn't he? that's true. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd have to really look at that, but 10's been great for yeah, the quarterback know, position. And CJ Stroud's yeah. wearing seven now. So that's that's good. Who am I leaving out at seven? I'm fair, I feel like I'm leaving out somebody. Yeah, really you feel good. like that's, you're going to offend somebody that's, in that's the seven. Played, uh, that's there's played been a recently. lot of them. No, it's it's yeah. it's fun. Yeah, but seven and ten, two. Yeah, those are probably the probably the three best. Four is pretty good. Yeah, there's been some good ones to say the least. And and certainly when you think of the sevens with a, a laundry list of stars, Teddy Ginn's name is always going to be one uh, that comes up. Um, the expansion draft in the NHL. Haskins wore seven. Oh yeah, there you go. Oh yeah, Dwayne. Dwayne there Tree. You go. Good job there, out of th- you, Chopper. Thanks, thanks, Chops. So it's unfortunate um, how quickly we forget. Speaking uh, the of Blue chops, Jackets he got protected. punched in the chops. Oh, did I just go there? Poor guy. Well, Dwayne, he, yeah. Dwayne, at least you know what I was well, saying about that. I, People have been making fun of him. At least he didn't hit her back. You know? Well, had to be, Vince, had to be, here's what I'll say, though. While we're, you know, let's, let's also be fair. Anytime there's something like that, what led to that? Right, you know what probably I mean. We don't know she what found out. Did. Probably he, she found my well, theory. She probably found out about that, that exchange but... when he was uh, when he was messaging the Instagram influencer, trying to get her to pay back all these gifts that he got it, for her. In all I think seriousness, probably the 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 fiance found out about that, and that's probably what they were arguing about. But we'll see. In all seriousness, he's he's by a thread in the NFL. Definitely, <laughs> so no doubt. I mean, and, and you say, well, what does this have to? Well, it all has to do with decision making. Right. It all has to do with decision making, and if you're going to hand the keys to like the Pittsburgh Steelers to somebody, trust. Got to trust. So he's in a he's he's. It's going to be a big next month and a half for him, uh, to say the least. Uh, big big month for the Blue Jackets. Obviously, uh, the Seth Jones, the draft, 
Uh, we have our expansion protected, unprotected list. We get to that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Constantly interrupting valuable airtime to sell $3 stickers. What a business plan. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. If you say something with confidence, then you can't be wrong. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And Dave Biddle in for threes today and for the next couple of days leading into Big Ten Media Days on Thursday in Indy. Um, boy, I, I under—I guess I understand what the NHL is doing with the, these expansion teams, but I can't help but be a bit bothered by it that they basically, these teams are getting to start you know, on second base at the very worst, maybe third. I mean, we had to start in the dugout. I mean, we had to start at the bottom. Most expansion, you have to start in the bottom. Like, this Seattle Kraken team has, I mean, they could be playoff contenders next year. Same thing as Vegas. Yep. Just like Vegas. Vegas played for a cup. Like, yeah. And Vegas has been one of the best clubs in the league the last three years. And they're headed there. I mean, you look at, like, Carey Price could be their starting goalie. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, the, the amount of talent. And so some of this is the realities of a, of a very hard salary cap and an inability to fit all these guys under, and, and that's part of it. And, and so they're set up, and they're, they, if, they're, if it's done right, they should be a, a very competitive, really good team right away. Uh, the Jackets put their list out uh, over the weekend of protected and, un, and unprotected players. I think the one that certainly gets all the attention – and rightfully so, is Max Domi unprotected. Um, Stenland on there as well, Dean Kukin, Scotty Harrington, uh, those guys on there. In terms of beyond that lower down the roster, no one that I think is too surprising. The name that, that garners the attention, without question, is Max Domi. And it's more of a symbol, I think, of, and I don't think this isn't reinventing the wheel, but it's a symbol of, what the hell happened here the last two years with guys that you thought would be core players? Because of course, it's not the, it's not Max Domi. Like that makes sense. He's he's got a decent salary number. They control him for two more years, but then he you could lose him for nothing after next year anyway. It's because he'd be an unrestricted free agent. Um, he was injury prone. He did not live up to uh, billing. They wanted him to play center. He really couldn't. They had to move him back to the wing. Didn't jive with Tortorella. All you know, this is all well documented. It's really the fact that. Who he came here for is Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson should have been a cornerstone Blue Jacket. And there was some disconnect that happened, and he had to be traded. And Max Domi was the get-back. And so now Max Domi's left available for Seattle in the expansion draft. And you say to yourself, okay, that makes sense, injury-prone, all of that. But it's really, he was the get-back for Josh Anderson. And that failure is is a, a part of why we are where we are with the Blue Jackets, where we are going to be, very clearly, tear down to the studs, rebuild. And I, I'm for it. I'm supportive of it. I don't think you can do it any other way here. But it's it's a reminder of that to me, Bids. Absolutely. A couple things. Uh, I'll touch on the rebuild in a minute because I'm with you on that 100%. With Domi, um, I was surprised to see this too because I was hoping it wasn't working out 
because it was just a personality clash with torts, as you mentioned. It turns out it yeah. must be more than that because the new regime, which I know it's it's one of Torts' assistants taking over, but with JD coming back, you know they've all decided together that no, we we don't believe in this guy for whatever reason. So that's a surprise. With the rebuild, I think even if you're a diehard Jackets fan, I know it's going to be tough, but I think the best way to get this organization back on track is to do a full rebuild. They're already halfway in on that. I mean, you got three first-round picks. I realize two of them are very late, 25th overall and you know, 31st overall, I believe, um, or 32nd overall. Um, but already have 30, uh, three first-round picks, including the number five overall pick. You can get a lot for Seth Jones, both in this year's draft and future drafts, in my opinion. Trade Seth yep. Jones. Trade one of the goalies. Um, I'd like to keep Elvis, but you know, we'll see what they do with that. And then I'd hopefully try to sign uh, Zach Rowenski, but if he doesn't want to sign, then trade him too. I'd like to see. I trade. think they might be able to sign him, but definitely trade Seth Jones. Definitely trade one of the goalies. You're probably going to get a second round pick for the one of the goalies, not a first, but you can probably get a couple firsts for Seth Jones, one this year, one next year. Start piling up high draft picks. Then we're going to look up in a couple years. They already got some promising young players, uh, you know, and then we're going to look up in a couple years if they commit to a rebuild. Trust the process, Columbus. <laughs> the Blue Jackets might be good, yeah. but we're going to have to suffer through a couple of bad years for that to happen. Well, I think furthermore, it's the only way you can because no one's coming here in free agency. That's just the reality. And we haven't shown that from a superstar perspective, we've been able to retain them. You know, we've had superstars and, and they're, they don't want to play here forever. And, and for, it's different because, you know, Nash was somebody who I think would have, if the organization was in the place the organization has been, the last five or six years with Yarmo and JD, I think Rick Nash would have played his entire career here. He was in no hurry to get out. It's just they weren't going anywhere and had never won anything, and it was weighing on him. Um, so you know he he did force the hand there. In terms of so so th- this is the way. This is the only way. Like to do it is this way is they need to get a bunch of young guys all coming in at the same time, all under like contracts that can grow and win together, and then maybe you can talk them into sticking around long term. But there's, there's, there's no more band-aids. So I'm with you. I think the organization and I think the fan base is ready for it. And, and I think that the one thing you can say about, uh, JD and Yarmo is they got a great eye for talent. So that, uh, you know, the contracts are different in terms of trying to negotiate contracts. That hasn't worked. But from an identification of talent, they're elite. So I'm with you. Give me assets. Give me picks. Give me young guys and young systems with high upside. That's what you got to get back for Seth Jones. And that's the way they got to approach. The next two or three weeks, to say the least. Um, how does Jim Harbaugh approach this season in Ann Arbor? Uh, he was extended. I was surprised that he did. D- d- have they changed? What what matters? <clears throat> how do you define success for Michigan football anymore? Among the questions we answer coming up next in our 20 big questions, question number six, how is success defined for Harbaugh now at Michigan? It's a big one, certainly for the Big Ten, and certainly for us. We get into it coming up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Drinking responsibly with a touch of class. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, we continue our list of 20 big questions that need to be answered over the next sports calendar year. We're at question number six today, and it fitting as Big Ten Media Days are at the end of this week. And as Bids mentioned, who's in for James today in the next couple of days. Harbaugh will speak on Thursday in Indy at Big Ten Media Day. He'll be the last to speak. I think it's interesting that he is the last to speak because what that signifies is that Michigan is the second most important program in the Big Ten. And we can argue, you know, their success clearly doesn't 
does not designate that. Uh, but they are. They are the second most important program in the Big Ten. They have not been the second best program in the Big Ten for a very long time, but they're the second most important. Um, and they view them still as a bell cow that they can kind of lean on and rely upon. Um, and, and certainly we've done our part, and that's the reason Ryan Day is going last on Friday because that's the biggest program is going to go last on Friday. So uh, Michigan will go last on Thursday, and, and that's with purpose. Um, we talked about this a little bit off the top, Bids. Uh, and I've said this many, many times to the point of people getting sick of it. I had this wrong. I, I had this wrong. I did not have what has happened to Harbaugh. Um, I think the first couple of years led you to believe that we were headed in the right direction. And I define the right direction as a viable Michigan team. I define the right direction as a Michigan team that's a contender for the Big Ten, that threatens us, uh, that beats us every once in a while. I mean, I think that that's important. Um, they haven't. And, and, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. He has become more despondent to me, um, almost aloof as the seasons have stacked up. Uh, I've had a theory that 16 broke him, and he hasn't really been the same since. I don't know if he's ever gotten over it. And um, you see it in recruiting where he's given up on the state of Ohio. You see it in his coaching staff. I mean, the notion that we hire people from his staff, can you imagine that? I mean, think about that. Like, it's just such, it's taken such a hit. And if you go back to those first two years, and certainly they didn't have the talent in 15 to match our talent, and that team was mad coming up the loss to Michigan State, and it was what it was. But 16, they were the better team in that game. I think you could argue. I think you can do it with a pretty straight face. They were the better team. And they never responded from what happened in that game. And you look at what's happened since, and you go, I don't know what they're supposed to be. His contract was up. He floated it out to the NFL. Hey, come get me. I'm willing to go. No takers. And so Michigan gave him a contract at a lower rate. And now you say to yourself, you answer this question, how is success defined for Harbaugh at Michigan? I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't know how it is. Well, I will say they need to go eight and four uh, in the regular season. I don't think they're going to get there. They're over under is seven and a half. I feel like the under is a very safe bet there, and here's why. I think for them to hit the over, um, that means they're going to need to enter the game at eight and three. Do I have that right? Because they're not going to beat Ohio State. So no. I, I think seven and five is their ceiling. Um, I really believe that. So if you're into the sports of gaming, you can get Michigan, uh, under seven and a half. That would be my advice. Here's why their, their roster's depleted. They've got some good players. Like they have one player that would start for Ohio State. One, Daxton Hill. One. They've got some other good players, but so they're, even their starting lineup's not that good. They're going to have a new quarterback, either the transfer or true freshman J.J. McCarthy. I guess Cade McNamara has somewhat of a chance. Um, their offensive line's depleted, and they don't have good depth. And they got a bunch of new coaches that could be in over, over their head, not just their head coach who seems in over his head, but a bunch of uh, new assistant coaches. Their offensive line coach, Bo, has never been an offensive line coach before. They have a defensive coordinator that's never been a defensive coordinator before. Jury is still out on Josh Gaddis as offensive coordinator, spa, you know, speed and space. And Phil, I, I think of all the people that do college football stuff, um, not including my good friends here in Columbus, um, I think Phil Steele is the best. I think he is the best. I know I'm not alone in saying that. Do you know where he has Michigan ranked oh, yeah, this year yeah. nationally? 60th. 60th nationally. 60th. That's sad, man. So, That's man, bad. I, I really it's bad think for though, us. It's bad for the league. It's bad for – it's just bad. It is bad. And bad. you mentioned his contract. The, it's, 
It's like it's it's they gave him a contract extension, like quote unquote, no buyout, lesser money. It, he's a dead man walking. Here's my prediction. I think they're going to enter the game at five and six. If you look at their schedule, it's not that easy. They play Wisconsin, Washington won't be easier. There's some other games that I think they're going to drop. Indiana, Penn State. I think they're going to enter the game at five and six. Ohio State's going to beat him. And that'll be Jim Harbaugh's last game at Michigan. They'll finish five and seven, and then he'll go out with a loss in his own house to Ohio State. Now, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe they can get to eight and four. I don't think so. I don't. That means they're going to have to enter the game at eight and three because they're not beating this Ohio State team. Ohio State's going to be frothing at the mouth to play them after not getting to play them last year. How do we year. do you that? Know Ryan Day does not do like we, Harbaugh. How do we do that? How do we? How do we continue to care more about the rivalry than they do? Even though we annihilate them. We annihilate them. I mean, it's not even close. It hasn't been close for, they won twice in 20 years. Like, let's, this is no rivalry. This is no rivalry. It's not. It's not. It's not 10 year wars. I dreamed about it. I know it is, but it's not good. It's not good. (laughs) Because they are, like, you can't call them that team up north. They're not that team up north. They're Michigan. Don't cross out M's on campus. Why? What's the point? They're no threat. They're no threat. Cross out A's because a bunch of old guys like us remember. Yeah, right. I mean, do C's for Clemson or or A's for Alabama. Like they are not on the level. You said there's one guy for Michigan who would start. I'll trust you on that. How many teams in this league have more than one who would start? Probably several. Have at least two, or maybe some have three. Admittedly, nobody's got ten, but somebody's got two or three. They got one. Michigan. Come on, it's crazy. It's no good. It's It's no good. He's given up. He has given up. He I was like a they're guy a coach who away. was broken. Yeah, I feel like they're a coach away, though, Bo. I feel like I, I would such like a if, hole, if though, find, bids. If they, oh, you're right. It wouldn't be right away. The hole but is if they so find deep. The right, I think, if, I mean, coaching is important a coach regardless away for of what, sport. From, from being a viable threat, like you were saying, not being a team that's going to win national championships and be like better than Ohio State like every year, but a team that can threaten Ohio State, maybe beat them every you know once every three or four years, um, challenge at least for Big Ten titles, not challenge to be the fourth best team in the Big Ten East, which is what they are right now. Now, who is the right coach? I don't know, but I think coaching is important regardless of the sport. I think it's the most important in football. I really do. And I think Matt Campbell would have taken the job in a second. And that's a little bit of pay attention to the scores. I think he would have taken the job in a second. As good as his team is this year at Iowa State, I think Matt Campbell was maybe not totally thrilled that he didn't get a talking to when we hired Ryan Day. You know, in an interview, I think the dream job for him was Ohio State, obviously. Yeah. You know, he's a kid from Northeast Ohio. Like, that's the dream job. But I think that he was probably a little sore that there was no, like, you couldn't even get it, get on the phone with Gene. Right? Hey, let me you know. Let me talk about what I've done here. Maybe I got a shot at this. Thing. No, we got our guy. Clearly, already. we've made the right decision. We got our guy. It's fine. <laughs> but I think he would have crawled bare chested from Ames to Ann Arbor on I eighty to go on the turnpike to get to Ann Arbor to take that job. And I think he would have taken it this year, even though he's got a really good team at Iowa State coming back. Could be wrong, but I feel like he would have. Why would you not have made that move? What in the heck have you seen from Harbaugh? And it's not even just what he's done on the field. It's the trajectory negative. They're going the wrong direction in recruiting, in their own guys. It's it's a program without direction. And you're going to, let's do more of it? I talked to a diehard Michigan guy, a buddy of mine this summer, diehard Michigan guy. And I asked him, I said, where are you with this? And he goes, you know, I've kind of given up. Like, I, I don't, I'm not. 
I understand. We're not Ohio State. We're never going to be Ohio State. He's like, I hope. I goes, I feel bad for my son because he's he's almost fifty. And he goes, obviously, like he's never going to know what I knew in the nineties or the eighties. He's not. He's never going to know that. You know, his his entire life. See, there's for all of the talk of the nineties and how painful those were. Those we were putting some of the best teams in the country into that game. Some of the most talented teams in the country into that game. Like, look at what Michigan has trotted out, save for a year or two here and there. Look at who they brought in to play quarterback in some of those games. <laughs> right. John I mean, O'Corn. Not, oh, my gosh. <laughs> my goodness. You know, I mean, it just they what just have fate? fallen off. Yeah, not and exactly Tom no, Brady and Elvis Gerbach and some of the guys oh, that we used God, to see no. play. For and them. furthermore, <laughs> look, at who, look who we trotted out. Look at the... Look at the Eddie teams. Look at I mean you lived through the nineties. You know the talent on those teams. And and so you were putting a team in that game that was eleven and one or undefeated in some instances, and maybe the most talented team in the country. And they haven't done that. They haven't done that in a long time. And certainly you're old enough if you remember the nineties, more likely than not you remember the eighties where Earl had some success. Like there's none of that. And there's no positive momentum at all. I'm with you. I think they're five and six. I think you're right. And I think you I think five and seven's in play. I think at best, he goes six and six, um, and I don't know what what would you sign up for more of that. Like if they if we bludgeon them in Ann Arbor, you're gonna go, oh yeah, yes sir, may have another. I, I don't know yeah. how long you do, so I don't know how you define success for him. I'm with you. I I don't, but the one thing I don't know is I don't know care. I don't. I don't. I feels like there is an apathy for football at Michigan that is almost like well we know we can't do what they do. So to hell with it. You're totally right. Which There's a sense of resignation. I see it on their message boards. There is a sense of re- resignation that I never thought I would see from Michigan. And for a lot of them, 2018 broke them. They came into Ohio, like a lot of people say, 20, and I agree with you about Harbaugh. I think, 20, I think 2016 might have broke Harbaugh. 2018 broke their fan base from what I see on message boards, 24-7 sports, stuff like that. I mean, they were they came into Columbus confident. They were favored, and the Buckeyes blew them out and they have not been the same since and they just have pretty much given up they they just are now hoping to be better than penn state we'll see rutgers right now is recruiting better than them olciano uh learned some tricks uh, of the trade while he was here apparently from urban um well he can yeah, he recruited the last time he was at rutgers he can recruit jersey they'd be better yeah. off with Shiano than harlow oh, yeah yeah, they Way would better. be. Tennessee would be uh, better off with uh, yes, a Shiano. <laughs> whatever, yes, they would uh, be. They've had going on down there. Oh, yeah. what, what a mess! Thanks, thanks, uh, Clay Travis. Appreciate right. you on that one. Um, yeah, man, I think I think this will be his last year. And Ward Manuel is a guy. Again, reading Michigan message boards, they're not happy with what he's doing as athletic director. They they agree with you. Like, what? Why did you even bring him back as dead man walking with this no buyout? You know. Clearly, he was. They let him look for NFL jobs. No one wanted him as an NFL coach, which shows you how far he's fallen. Um, and I, yeah. so Ward Manuel's not doing a great job up there. Matt Campbell's going to be interesting. I agree with you. Some people disagree with us and say, "Well, he he knows better than anybody. He doesn't want to take that job and get his butt kicked by Ohio State." But you made a good point. He might think, "Well, no, you know, they didn't I, even take a look at me. I can be the one to turn that program around." Like you said. Even though they haven't been there performance-wise, Michigan is clearly the second most important program in the Big Ten. You know, they did a study in the New York Times a few years ago. I don't know how they did this. I don't know what the metrics were, but the three biggest fan bases in order in college football: Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan. So Michigan has yeah. a massive fan base, and it might have been Michigan two, Notre Dame three, but Ohio State was one. Those are the three biggest fan bases in college football. Michigan is a huge brand. They just have played like more like Rutgers than Michigan the last twenty years. 
Yeah. Yeah, they have. And, 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 and you, you answer the question, how do you define success? Hard for us to put our hands on it. We don't cover them daily. Angelique Chingalis does. She will join us next on this question. Bishop and Laurenitis right here on The Fan. Unlike your deadbeat uncle, we'll never leave you stranded in a ditch when you were six. This promo may have been a touch too specific. The Fan. The best, best in the Midwest. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. And our friend Dave Biddle in for James today and the next couple of days leading into Big Ten Media Days as we answer 20 big questions that we want answered over the course of the next calendar year. And certainly this one will get answered at the end of this football season for perspective. Great friend of the program, Angelique Chingalis, joins us, covers Michigan for the Detroit News on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Angelique, thanks so much for taking the time. I'll put the, the simple question we're trying to answer to you. How do you define success for Michigan this season for Harbaugh? Well, I mean, it's got to be better than two and four, right? I mean, that was that was such a <laughs> pathetic performance last year, and 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 look, I think it boils down to beating Ohio State. And okay, let's say that's not reasonable to expect. I think it's you, you have to look at the season as a whole. Do they beat Michigan State? And assuming they lose to, to Ohio State, is it fifty two thirty nine or is it closer? Is it two thousand sixteen version? And, and I think that that really determines a lot of Jim Harbaugh's state going forward. I mean, it, you know, I look at this season and I, I could see them going six and six. I could see them going seven. Five. I, you know, I think they're in that kind of range because we don't know much about this staff. We really don't know that much about this team at this moment. And, and I gotta, I gotta think as I look at it, it, it to me boils down to beating your rivals. And, uh, you know, I just don't see it happening against Ohio State. So how is that game? How does that, how do they look in that game? Do they look like a fourth quarter team? And I think that will determine Jim Harbaugh's future. Angelique, I never saw this coming with Jim Harbaugh. When he was hired, I remember saying and writing, this is going to be the next 10 year war. And I even said, maybe it'll be a five year war. I thought it was going to go back and forth. Um, I thought we were headed for another, you know, Woody and Bo situation. How surprised are you that it hasn't worked out so far with Harbaugh? Oh, I, I thought it would be that as well. And and I think he's a very good coach. I do. I think he uh, thinks out of the box on a lot of things. I, I think he's a smart guy. Um, I, I sometimes look at that 2016 game, and, and I think I'm not unique with this. I think a lot, a lot of people look at that game and, and think, you know, let's say JT was short. That, that maybe does change the narrative a little bit for Jim Harbaugh. You get that win in Columbus. And, you know, maybe maybe Michigan's getting a few more of those five stars that Ohio State's picking up, but that's not how it happened. And, you know, you, you look at last season, and, and I know it was, it, it was an anomaly, you know, with COVID and, and playing the six games, and they didn't play those final three. So it's a really very small sample size, but they came into that season talking about how they had practiced, you know, since they got there in June, and they were going to be this and that. And they weren't anything like that. And you saw a team that just looked really collapsed already early against Michigan State. And you're like, well, where's the leadership there? Where's the coaching? And to me, that was lacking. And, yeah, so I I was surprised. But I have also seen a guy in the last few months in Jim Harbaugh who looks more like the guy who showed up in Ann Arbor, he's got a lot of energy. He's got a young staff that he really likes and the players love. So, you know, I, I really want to sit back and watch how this, this unfolds because it, it's if it doesn't 
if if they don't get some serious wins and and obviously some big wins on the road and obviously Ohio State, I, I just don't know what how he goes forward at Michigan. Yeah, I guess I was a. Li- I'm a little, and I understand. Like he's a favored son, right? He was the guy that was going to save it. Mm-hmm. And to me, from the outside looking in, it seemed like, and I've said this before on the air, and I maybe even have posed this question. It seems like 16 broke him from a spirit yeah. standpoint. I mean, he was, uh, you know, an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, and all of that stuff. And he was winning some battles in recruiting, and you know, he loses the Zach Harrison battle uh, in the state of Ohio, and then it seemed like he just. I mean, we talked to recruiting guys. It seems like he just he's punted on the state of Ohio. He's not recruiting it, yeah. which is wild yeah. to me that you would – I don't know how that, that is a, a path for any sort of success, this entire new staff. And he seemed like he was a broken man. You're saying that there is some enthusiasm now. Was there any, was there any real movement to saying, hey, this has been a thank you for getting some respectability back to the program, but we're good. We're going to move off of you as opposed to giving him the extension, albeit for less money and no buyout. I actually really like that contract. I, I think that that was a really crafty work by Ward Manuel, Michigan's AD. Um, you know, I, I really, you know, Ward Manuel doesn't talk that much to the media. My sense is he could have gone either way. He really could have. I, I don't think he wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh, but I think he's got Jim Harbaugh on a, on a much shorter leash now. And, you know, if, if they were to move on after this year, I don't think it would surprise people. Um, you know, I, I think I, I like this contract. I think I like that it's less money. I like that it's incentive based. I like that he went out and and changed things around with his staff. It does feel like a whole new, like a coaching change, a complete change. You really don't know that much about these coaches. You do, you know, some on paper. Um, you know, like a Steve Kling scale, what what kind of coach he is and recruiter. But you know, there's some untested guys now, Mike McDonald, who is not never coordinated defense. Is a defensive coordinator, and you know, going back to sixty-two thirty-nine to that game, you know, a lot of people thought that Michigan should have moved on from Don Brown at that point, and Jim Harbaugh didn't, and now he did, and and I'm curious to see if that changes, if that, what that changes, because I, I'm talking to a lot of the defensive players, they really like this staff and what's going on with it, and it has brought a different energy and a different vibe, but they say that a lot, so. You know, it's just, I just think it's a really hard call where this is going. And, um, yeah, Jim, he's in the best shape I've ever seen him in. He's fit. He's been working out a lot, apparently. And he does seem like he's got, a, you know, he's he's recharged by this staff. And you got to make sure you don't wear any red to any press conferences. I understand he's banned the, the color red now in uh, in Ann Arbor. Uh, real quick, Angelique, if if it does go south for Michigan this year and they do replace Jim Harbaugh, who do you think they should go after? I, uh, look, I, I've been saying this for a long time, and people think I'm nuts, probably because he's he's young and and has been in the business for ten years. I, I think if you want to stay with your Michigan lineage i mean i think he's right there i think you go with someone like mike hart he's young but he is driven he's extremely organized he he really gets how things run yeah he's young but uh, i mean i don't know since when did youth mean that you you couldn't handle something like that um yeah beyond that i don't know where they go I, i think this is a tough tough job i think you're inheriting a situation that just doesn't it seems to be more stagnant than, than getting better. Um, and so I think you want somebody who understands the program. And uh, I think a lot of people would want to get away from the whole Michigan man, man lineage. But 
I think that, that Mike is a guy who could do this and wants to do it at some point. Maybe now it's too soon, but um, I, I just don't know why you go back to Tyrone Wheatley, who's at Morgan State, a head coach, and bring him back. I think he'd love this job, too. But I, I just don't know that it's a job that people are, are clamoring to take. I really don't get that sense. And, um, you know, you, it's, it's just it's a tough job in Columbus. It's a tough job in Ann Arbor. And it just feels like it's been tougher because they have been losing those battles in recruiting. And not only you mentioned they're not going after Ohio. I mean, a couple of their hires, Ron Bellamy and Mike Hart and Steve Klingscale, were really to go after Michigan. They weren't really going after Detroit that hard. And so they're making Jeez. those changes, too. But, geez, I, I don't know. I don't know who'd want to come here right now. Yeah, it, it is tough. Do you, I'll get you out of here on this one. Do you think that it is – because we have this conversation a lot and in, in regard to – we're obviously very blessed with what Ohio State has been uh, mm-hmm. with Tressel, Urban, and Ryan Day. I mean, it's an, we've kind of lapped the field in the Big Ten at this point um, in, in terms of what they do. And we ask the question, can, is it possible for another program in the North – to achieve some level of success similar to this. Do you think that that is still possible at Michigan the way that it was 20 years ago? Well, I mean, that is, that is really tough. I mean, I, I don't think just lap the field. I think they've lapped the field a couple times in terms of Ohio yeah. State. I think the advantage is, is so significant. And it, it really is, when you say it's a machine, it is a machine. And, and I say that. And they just seem to have everything. They're like on top of everything, it seems like. And, and not just in terms of recruiting and getting five stars. It's, it's getting ahead on the NIL situation and just being ahead in terms of facilities and everything. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying Michigan can't get there. I do. I think that, that you know, it, for, I think everybody understands the tradition of Michigan and, and the money that's at this university. But does that translate? I, you know, we haven't seen it in, in those years since Lloyd Carr left. And but it's there. I think it's there. And is Sim Harbaugh the right guy? I mean, he's got the keys now, right now. But can he drive them to to getting a little bit inching closer to to Ohio State? I don't know. It's just it's it's so hard to see anybody catching up and, and closing that gap on a yeah. consistent basis. Yes, you might see a Penn State do it. I know. You know the the flavor of the month is Indiana. But you know, I think Michigan's the one program that could do it. But will it? Uh, it, that's really hard to say at this point because I just haven't seen big enough strides from from decision making making and and maybe these personnel changes will will make a difference in terms of the uh, the new staff but um, I just think Ohio State's just so far ahead it, it's it's really hard for any team to catch up on a consistent basis. Yeah, it, it, we really appreciate it. you're the best, Angelique. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Bo. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we'll see over in uh, over in Indy on Thursday. Angelique Chingalis covers uh, Michigan for the Detroit News. And uh, is there a roadmap? We're going to put uh, Biddle and I in the unenviable position of running the Michigan program. How would you fix it? We'll get to it coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, The Fan. It's First Friday Somewhere. That's a big sense of freedom. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. Dave Biddle in for threes. Bits, uh, aside from Ohio State, is it possible for another Northern program to reach near, not this level of success, because I, th- I do think that this is one only, I think only Ohio State can do this. I mean, the combination of in-state talent, the city of Columbus, those things, I think it's one of one. 
But is there a Northern program that can get in the vicinity? And is Michigan one of those teams? Yeah, I think with the right coach, Michigan can get in the vicinity. I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh, they've got to find the right coach, though. Um, coaching is so paramount in college football. You Recruiting has been okay at Michigan. Development's been the biggest problem there. A guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones would not have been a sixth-round pick if he went to Ohio State. And he no. looks pretty good for the Browns. He wasn't developed very well at Michigan. He would have been a much higher no. pick. He was the number one wide receiver in the country in his recruiting class. So development's the biggest problem. So, yeah, I think it's possible at Michigan. Probably unlikely, though. Uh, Penn State would be the one. I think Penn St- I was going to say, Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, how would you rank those as most likely to do it in the North other than us? And then right now I think you know because Notre Dame has the better of the three coaches is why they've had more success. And even though they had to play in the ACC last year, being independent helps them. But I think Penn State, Franklin's okay. But I think if they found uh, an upgrade to Franklin, now he's not bad. The thing about Franklin is he'll probably win just enough to stay there for a long time. And he's he had a bad yeah. recruiting year last year. Now he's recruiting better. But he's losing some of the best players in his own state to Ohio State. He can't keep doing that or he's not going to be long for this world. Penn State, to me, probably has the most potential other than Ohio State. I, I will give Penn State the nod over Notre Dame and Michigan. But it just because you know, any of those three programs can win if they have the right coach. I'd probably well, rank them Notre Dame slightly ahead of Penn State. But I think those two are both ahead of Michigan. Um, and I think Notre Dame, if, if the right guy, and we're seeing it with Marcus right now, Freeman, I mean, he's recruiting at a high level, and I think if you could get back to recruiting the Catholic schools like they used to and get those pipelines back up, the GCL, you think about the Catholic schools up in Cleveland, I'm just talking about schools in the area, let alone California. They've always recruited well with the California schools and the Catholic schools. Get back those pipelines. I think, to me, that program sells something that's a little bit different, and the big thing that they have going is, to your point, they're independent. They don't have to worry about even second fiddle to us. They can recruit opposite us. They don't have to worry about losing to us and being embarrassed and then trying to recruit up against us. I think that gives them a little bit of advantage. I think Michigan is the third, and I I think the talent in the state of Michigan and this talent in the state of Pennsylvania from where it was 25 years ago just isn't what it was. And so it's hard, and you have to – I think Michigan, even more than Penn State, is dependent on Ohio. I mean, there's no other way. Like, they have to win battles in Ohio. I don't know that Penn, that Penn State does. I don't think Penn State has to go win battles in Ohio to, to be elite. And I don't think Notre Dame does. But Michigan does. I think they have to. And, and so if you're tasked with the job of how do you fix Michigan, you know what? I don't hate what Angelique said on my cart. I think they're at that point. I think they're at a point where they could take a flyer on somebody like my cart. I, I, don't, I was impressed with him at Indiana. Um, and, and I don't know, I would, Campbell would be my first call. He would have been my call last year. He'd be my call period. But I, I mean, I think they're at a point where they need to find somebody who can identify with young people in this region. You've got to recruit within 200 miles of your campus and they're not doing it. And it's crazy. You go back and look at some of their best teams. It wasn't just like, you know, some of their star players were from Ohio, which they, they were, they were half of their roster bow was from Ohio. Literally. I'm not joking. It has half to be. of their roster was from Ohio and Michigan. When they would do those like player introductions, I go back and watch like old film of Archie, who was before my time. Uh, and you know, they do the player introductions before the game. The guys come out, take their helmets off and they say their name and their hometown. Like the Michigan guys, like half of their team was from Ohio. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and, and you don't have have to necessarily get the let's say not, not that there's many five stars that come out of ohio but the best of the best from ohio but you need to recruit ohio better than kentucky is recruiting ohio right now kentucky is recruiting ohio exponentially better than michigan it's like you said they've kind right. of given up on recruiting ohio it it doesn't make sense jim harbaugh himself 
was born in Ohio. He played with guys. Right. Half his roster was from Ohio. Guys that have won Heisman Trophy. Their last two Heisman Trophy winners, Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson, from Ohio. Elvis Gerbach, from Ohio. On and on and on and on. Um, they've got to get back into recruiting Ohio and just and and de- but development has been awful there, which is why I think they're they're going to move on from Marble after this year, and we'll see if they find the right coach. Mike Hart to me, I mean, that would be one hell of a roll of the dice. I mean, you know, Angelique's close to it. Don't and you she, think she, she could be on the money. To do that though? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they, maybe if, you if can't there was get ever a, a Campbell, time, I agree. I hear. Yeah, I hear that. If you can't get, I wouldn't want him to be my number one choice if I was running Michigan. No. I would definitely try and get him. But if Matt Campbell said, "Nah, I don't feel like getting my butt kicked by Ohio State every year. I'm going to hold out here at Iowa State and maybe wait out. Maybe Ryan Day goes to the NFL, then I'll go to Ohio State." If you can't get Matt Campbell. Maybe you do roll the dice with Mike Hart. I would need to know a lot more about how he's handling things behind sure. the scenes and everything. He's he's not even an offensive coordinator. He's not even been a coordinator. He's just running backs coach. That'd be right. one heck of a promotion, especially at a place like Michigan. What I would probably do, and I don't have a name, find the next, you know, not, not that you're going to find Trestle. Find a guy at a lower level who's just crushing it. Brian Kelly would have been a good example. He was in the state of Michigan winning D2 national championships at Grand Valley wow. State. They didn't even give him a second look. And he had to go to Cincinnati, then he goes to Notre Dame. Yeah, PJ would be, I, I would now go after PJ. You can't put an oar on a Michigan helmet, but I mean, he was at Western <laughs> Michigan and had a lot of success. So, yes. you know, yes. that would be somebody who knew that area, but yeah, go after I, him. I don't know. Yeah, they're in a tough spot. It, it's a really tough spot. And, you know, when you hear, you know, and Angelique covers it and she goes, they're looking at six and six, seven and five. And you and I are saying, yeah, bet the under on seven and a half. That's their reality. That's the reality of where it is, and it's it's a road to nowhere. It's, it's where it is right now, and they're not worthy of, you know, worrying about calling them Michigan or worrying about like you ought to be able to wear navy blue at, at, at the Ohio State facility all you want. You own the color. What's the problem? <laughs> wear it whenever you want. Don't worry about M's. Don't worry about giving them cute little nicknames or countdown clocks. They're they're nothing. They're nothing at this point, and uh, there's no. There's nothing in the foreseeable future to lead you to believe it's going to change. You imagine being them? Like we got Quinn Ewers coming in. We got these three kids playing for the quarterback position this year, and you got Ewers coming in next year. It's mind boggling. How are we getting out of this? Right, you're not. You're right. And that's the thing. A coach wouldn't be able to come in. Even the right coach wouldn't be able to come in and just flip things on its head like Trestle did. Because even though Michigan was ahead of Ohio State, it was more of like you know the talent gap wasn't that. You know, it, it kind of was no, maybe in two thousand and one, but it, it it was just yeah. that that the mentality of of Cooper. He just treated it like any other game, and then he, they just got the mental edge. So they're not going to find a coach that's going to come in and just flip it. But if they can find somebody, you know, who can come in and you know just right the ship a little bit, you're not going to get past Ohio State uh, again. I keep repeating myself, but if they can just find the right coach, Michigan has potential um, not to get past Ohio State, but th- th- not not to be this team that they've been, especially in the last ten years. This is a joke. They're they're going to be. Fighting Fighting for four, I'm telling this is, it'll be Ohio State, Indiana, or Penn State. Those will be the top three, and then Michigan's going to be fighting for fourth in the Big Ten East, and it's not going to be easy. Right. Maryland's going to be decent. No. Rutgers is going to be decent. Like it's, I think it's going to be Maryland's difficult. Scarier. Michigan State's going to be terrible, but Michigan State beat them yeah. last year. So. And, right. and you know, Michigan State will get up for that game. They'll play over their heads like they always do. So. I don't know, man. It's just they can get back to being the second-best team in the Big Ten East. That, I think that's what they need to do. But right now they're like the fourth-best team, and it's unbelievable to say yeah. that when you consider what happened in, in the 90s and for years before that. Yeah, absolutely. We get thing or not a thing up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here in the fan. 
If it's Buckeye football you crave, you come to the right place. And if it's day drinking you crave, you've also come to the right place. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. What? Two men complaining about first world problems. You're not getting the point, kid. This, this is Bishop and Laurenitis. It's time for a little thing or not a thing. Chops is here. Hit it, Chops. Bishop and Laurenitis. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Geico Insurance. Let's get it going on a Monday. ESPN ranked all 130 college head coaches as players. The top five won Jim Harbaugh, two, Pat Fitzgerald, Josh Heupel, Mike Gundy, and Steve Sarkeesian rounding that out. Ryan Day was ranked 43rd. Thing or not a thing. Oh, it's a fun thing. You'll have a list. Uh, it's list season. Um, obviously, there uh, as a college player, Pat was more accomplished, right, than Jim. Yeah, but Harbaugh was a first. He was a first round pick. I think. I think oh no, I think Fitzgerald and was an all American NFL career. Played a long time. Um, but didn't Pat win like one of the big? Yeah, I think he might have been first team All American, whereas Harbaugh was not. But I'm just saying, just being a first round pick shows you that sure. Har- Harbaugh was, you know, had a good college. But I, yeah, I, I when I initially saw this, I was thinking I, I would have put probably Pat Fitzgerald over Harbaugh. Then I thought, well, Harbaugh was a first round pick. And, That's a great point. Yeah, huh, I don't know. And I had to go back and look at that. I thought for some reason he was like not not today, but a few weeks ago. I can't remember. A couple months ago, I was thinking Harbaugh was like a second round pick by the Bears, right? And we looked at it. And no, I think he's like seventeenth overall. First round pick. I, I had forgotten about that. Um, Pat won yeah. the Bronco Nagurski and the Chuck Bidnarik. Yeah, yeah, he was more accomplished. You'd have to say. So I'll say, and by, I'll, I'll say. So to me, this is not a thing. Here's why: they're lucky they're not um, including the FCS coaches in here because then it'd be Deion Sanders one, Eddie George two. <laughs> All the good players are coaching at the FCS level. That's true. <laughs> Holy cow! So just think about. Pat is a player. It's a great job out of you. Pat is a player. Two-time Bronco Nagurski, two-time Chuck Bidnarik, two-time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, two-time Consensus All-American. Yeah, and a, and a hell of a head coach, too. Yeah, Mr. Northwestern. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he should be number one on that list. He should be. That's pretty good, yeah. Where the heck was he drafted? What did, what happened? Was he like a seventh-round pick He was not drafted after undrafted. his senior year. Undrafted. He two-team ran Consensus like five, All-American. <laughs> He must have. <laughs> wow, oh, that's crazy. That's unprecedented for somebody that accomplished. There can't. There's not much precedent for that. Somebody to be that accomplished and go undrafted. Tennis player Coco Goff announced Sunday that she will not be competing in the Olympics after testing positive for COVID-19. There are also reports that two athletes in the Olympic Village have tested positive. Thing or not a thing? It's going to be a huge thing because this is going to be more and more of this. There will be a lot of this, and that you there will be. Uh, this is the this is the, you're getting the first wave of it. There will be more, and you're going to lose a lot of players, a lot of athletes over the next couple of weeks. Now, a lot of them we probably won't know, like we know who Coco Goff is, but but there will be much more of this to come. Yeah, this is a massive thing, as both said. And here's why: this is very disappointing to me. Now, you know, no, maybe she did get the vaccine and she still got COVID. That's possible, unlikely but possible. If she's unvaccinated, it's disappointing to me. Here's why. I saw a stat out of Los Angeles. A hospital had 400 COVID patients last week admitted to the hospital. All 400, all 400 of them had one thing in common. 
unvaccinated. That's either a massive coincidence or the vaccinations work. So it's disappointing when I hear these athletes that, uh, and I, I get it to a certain extent because there's so much misinformation out there, and they're probably hearing things that they don't like to hear. But when you hear something like 400 out of 400 patients, all were unvaccinated, well, that should tell you everything to you need fair, to know right there. Yeah, but to be fair, we have people who have been vaccinated who are positive too. Right. They're just not I, I, hospitalized. Right. So, I, I, so th- that right. wouldn't stop this. Like, she tested positive. She may be vaxxed. Right. And I, I, right. And I, I you know recognize I mean? that. Yeah. She, yeah. That's, and I, I preface it with that. There's, I'm not, but Listen, I'm just saying, I, it, I think the other thing we got to be, we got to play through this. This is going to happen in the league. Oh, yeah. Like, if oh. guys have been vaxxed and they feel fine, they're asymptomatic, you got to let them play. I agree with that. If they're if they've been vaccinated and they're asymptomatic, what, what are we doing here? Like you're not going to be you hospitalized. Yep. Yes, yes. Michigan's officially licensed retailer M Den is offering jerseys with players' specific name and numbers on it. Technically, you have to fill it out and customize it yourself, but they'll sell them. The players, if they sign the deal with M Den, will receive at least ten dollars per jersey sold. Thing or not a thing? I mean, that's a. Pr- I think that's a thing. They should do it. They should do that at Buckeye Corner, do it wherever. I mean, they should do that. They should do that deal with, with the kids and, and give them a little taste. And you think about a, a custom jersey, what is it? like? Is that like 100 bucks? I don't know what that is. I think it was saying it retails from ca- like 130 to 180 And you're giving the kids 10 bucks of that. <laughs> yeah, so what are you paying Nike for? I wonder what the profit on the... I wonder what the profit is on at the M Den on a jersey. So, like, they buy them from Nike at what price? And I think it said the their... wholesale price was like sixty somewhere in that range, and then it's like one thirty for the iron on and one eighty something for the the stitched on. Okay, so then the reason this is a thing is because they're being cheap. They need to give <laughs> up a little more of the profit. Yes. They need to give up a little more of the profit. If they're if they're profiting one hundred and twenty dollars on a custom jersey, then the kid deserves a little more than that. If there's a Shark Tank, the, the athletes would be like, I'm not taking your deal. Um, for that reason, right. I'm no, out. I think uh, maybe sorry, I'll Mr. take $30 Wonderful. a jersey or 50 Yeah, but I bet Ohio State does something to, to your point, Bo. I bet Ohio State will copy this. I mean, this is going to be a copycat you know, thing across college. Where you're, people are going to say, oh, look what yeah. that school's doing. That's interesting. Let's do the same thing. I won't be surprised if the yep. Ohio State bookstore follows suit with this. Last one for you. It appears that LeBron snuck his own bottle of tequila into the Suns-Bucks Game 5. You can see the bottle under his courtside seat in pictures. Thing or not a thing? (laughs) A man of the people. I'm not even convinced. Yeah. I'm not even convinced that he drinks his own tequila. He's a wine drinker. If you follow him, he's a wine drinker. So it's really a marketing thing. And getting caught probably helps him. Because he's lagging well behind The Rock on tequila sales. That Terramana The Rock is spinning is far out doing this Lobo stuff. Now, I haven't had – I've had Terramana. I've not had the LeBron uh, tequila. But uh, I think he's trying to create a little buzz here. And so in that regard, it's a thing because he probably succeeded. Oh, see, you nailed it. it you got to follow the money here. I didn't even realize that he owned it. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. I, was thought, I thought, look at LeBron with all his millions. He's being a man of the people. As sports fans, we've all done this, right? We've snuck in some alcohol to yeah. sporting events, you know? And LeBron being a man of the people. No, he's just marketing his, his tequila. Yeah. yeah. Slinging tequila, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a movie out. He's slinging tequila. Oh, we're going to get to Chop's uh, review. Is going to review uh, Space Jam, wh- whatever it's called. He will do that in, the, in this final hour of the program. In addition to that, who exactly is leading the Big Ten these days? If you have to put your, your finger on somebody, who's got this 
who's got the, the, the goodwill of this conference going forward. We will get that. Howard Griffith will join us at the bottom of the hours. We're a couple of days out from the start of Big Ten Media Days. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Telling it like it is, even if that makes you uncomfortable. Common Man and Tebow. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. Sports talk distilled to its purest form. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, final hour here on a Monday. Dave Middle in for threes today. In the next couple of days, Howard Griffith will join us at the bottom of the hour in advance of Big Ten Media Days. Uh, Teddy Ginn Jr., Retiring on Friday, touched on it in the first hour of the segment for the of the show, rather for the Buckeye legend. But I, this is an interesting tweet from Browns backer seventy eight Browns Buckeye seventy eight. How much of a difference in the 06 title game if Teddy doesn't get hurt? <clears throat> He's obviously worth points and big plays, but it seemed like it hurt the psyche of the team as well. I would co-sign that part for sure. That was incredibly deflating. From and I, I wasn't covering it like you were from the Ohio State side, but just was. That happened. It was shot out of a cannon. That place was as loud as I've ever heard a stadium because it was, of course, so many Buckeyes. Um, and then it was there was a, oh, God, to it. I mean, there was that. I felt it. I'm sure the team did. Yeah, you cut out on me just a little bit there, Bo. What, what, what did, did you start the segment with? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. I was talking about Ted Ginn and the, the moment when the, – the, this was from a, a tweet that we got that said, how much of a difference – in 06 title game, if Teddy doesn't get hurt, he obviously worth points and big plays, but it seemed like it hurt the psyche of the team. Oh, yeah. And I would agree with that. It was yeah. incredibly deflating from a psyche standpoint to try to, you know, that, that was a huge blow to lose him in the first play. For sure. And I still think Florida would have won the game because their defensive Agreed. line just ate up Ohio State's offensive line. I mean, just destroyed them. And Troy Smith yeah. wasn't in the best shape, the banquet circuit stuff that we all know about. He even said he he probably gained like 20 pounds in between the, the Michigan game and the, the Florida game. Ohio State felt like, and I, I felt this way too, that they had won the national championship after they won that one versus two game. Teddy returns that kickoff. Um, I'm sitting up there with my buddy Steve Hellwagon. Uh, we're covering it. We're in the auxiliary press box. We're out there with the fans. <laughs> Which I love that. in Glendale. And you get the atmosphere. I love we're, that. We're around a lot of Florida fans. Teddy was coming right at us. Yes. He scores like he was running right at us. Cause we're, we're up in the end zone, um, way up there. And he's coming right at us, scores. I look at Steve and I'm like, basically like, here we go, ball game. And then you're right. So I still think Florida would have won, but it wouldn't have been a blowout because that was a, I mean, taking Teddy off the field, that was just, that's just, you know, that was a big part of what Ohio State did. Then other guys had to step into roles that they weren't ready for. I still think Florida would have won, though. They just had a better plan. They had this young coach over there named Urban Meyer who, uh, yeah, <laughs> who was pretty good. Well, he was, you know, he went away from what, every, what they had done because I had covered that Florida team and, and they were, like, they didn't really use Tebow much. I mean, they used their tight ends. They use, they use Chris Leak with quick releases. They did a lot of stuff that they hadn't shown in a while. It was a hell of a game plan. It was a really good game plan. They out-schemed them. And that defensive line was real. I mean, that defensive, that defensive line was going to be a problem regardless if Ted Ginn played or not. Um, so I, I th- I'm with you. I think it would have gone the way that it went. But it was, uh, that was certainly a deflating part. Um, this was uh, interesting over the weekend. I'm curious what you make of this as someone who certainly covers the Ohio State football beat. Two Texas A&M football players inked exclusive interview deals. So they did it with a fan site to pay two Aggie football players $10,000 for exclusive feature interviews ahead of SEC media days. Now, I think a big part of this is the word feature because this would lead you to believe long-form interviews. 
Uh, they are Isaiah Spiller and safety Damani Richardson. They're going to be featured on TexasEggs.com as part of a deal with a local company. Um, and and so you say to yourself, okay, if you're Jimbo Fisher and you're whoever's doing Jerry Emig's job at Texas A&M, not nearly as good as Jerry does it, but whoever that person is, <laughs> how do you navigate this? This is a mess. This is an absolute mess, and we had to get together over the weekend with some of the guys on the Ohio State beat, play a little poker, and this was one of the main topics of conversation. And just think about this. Now, Ohio State hasn't said yet whether they're going to allow their athletes to do that, but if they pro, if they don't let them... They can't prohibit them. They Well, that's, that's what I've said. Some of the guys on the beat kind of disagree with me, but we'll, we'll see about that. But, like, this is such a mess. So let's say, let's say for example... Uh, 11 Warriors buys a player. Buck, that's such sure. a weird thing to say. Bucknuts buys a player, right? Right. And then I'm writing my post game column and I, I'm just, you know, I, I do a, a, an analysis after the game. Um, very opinionated. Um, you never want to blast college players, but you're, you know, this guy didn't have a very good game, you know, something like that. Well, is, is, is Biddle only saying that because, uh, that, that's, that's an 11 Warriors guy? Or then, you know, my buddy sure. Dan Hope at 11 Warriors, he says something negative about the guy that, that, you know, Bucknuts has. Uh, you know, sponsoring their product. Oh, is Dan Hope just doing that because, uh, you know, he's talking about a Bucknuts guy? And this is just one of many things. It is a complete mess. And our media company is going to have to get into this. Like, are you going to have to now pay for interviews? I mean, we knew NIL was going to be fascinating and it was going to be the wild, wild west. And here we are. I mean, we're seeing it <laughs> come to fruition there already. It, it's good. And, and it, I tell you, it, we're going to see many, many more things like this that are just like, wow. Uh, and I don't know how it's going to play out, though. I don't know if Ohio State's going to allow it. I don't know if – I will say this, full disclosure, I've asked already 24-7 Sports uh, CBS uh, if we're going to get involved in that because I've had parents already ask me. Sure. They've said no. We're not getting involved with it. Slippery slope. We're not getting involved with it. Now, if everybody else gets involved with it, could that change? We'll see. Um, but our company's not going to do it. But I think a lot of companies will. I don't not, maybe not necessarily on the Ohio State beat, but I bet there'll be at least one or two on the Ohio State beat. This is going to be very interesting to follow. Now I don't know. I don't cover Texas A and M. I don't follow Texas A and M, so I can't tell you. Like, is the Texas A and M fan base clamoring to hear everything Isaiah Spiller and Damani Richardson have to say? I don't know. I'm so, to me, ten thousand dollars for an exclusive interview. You better be a quarterback. <laughs> you better be the starter, right? like somebody who's touching the ball all the time, or you better be a first round pick. And I don't know if these guys are or not. Could be my own ignorance on that fact, and I acknowledge it. I think the big you you touched on all the deals from the from the beat perspective and how tricky it is from that perspective. I think it's most tricky for Jimbo Fisher and for whoever's doing Jerry Emick's job, because part of that job is a responsibility of putting these kids in front of the media. This is the relationship. It's the way that it's been forever. I mean, that's the deal. If you're the star, it's just like, you, you will not, no one will ever forget who was there. The, the Fiesta Bowl against Texas when Todd Beckman started because they didn't want to put prior available to the media. And Todd was out there at those media availabilities. Oh, that's right. That's Remember that absurdity? Oh, yes. We're going, Todd, yes. why are you here? And then he started and he the go, game. He's going, you tell me, man. I don't know. It was one of the cruelest things. <laughs> I love Tress, but that was one of the cruelest things I've ever seen. But, like, <laughs> what is the what what is the job? Okay, so what if these kids say, sorry, sorry, Texas A&M, Jerry. I mean, we're, I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not talking after the LSU game because I only talk to TexasEggs.com. 
There's nothing. This they is can what do. I said last week, Bids. Yeah. That's what I said last week's. Right now, Gene Smith and people of his ilk need to get on the phone with other like-minded athletic directors and say, "Let we need rules now," because the NCAA is not going to supply any. They're out. We saw that last week. Emmert chip pushed the chips in. We're done. We're not. We're not going to govern college athletics anymore. Okay, great. Somebody's got to. You have got to have a set of rules that everybody. The NFL has rules. Right. That's such a, if that's you're the a starting quarterback point. of the Cleveland Browns, you have to talk to the media once a week. That's the deal. Yeah, and now you can't I mean, say, "Oh no, I only talk to." Can you imagine Baker or Joe Burrow going, "Oh yeah, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm not doing a. I only talk to the Inquirer, or the Plain Dealer. I don't talk to anybody else." Wait, what? That's what we're headed. That for. can't happen. So they they have to have a set of ground rules right now. I mean this. This should have been, I'm guessing it's already taking place behind the scenes bids, but you can't be in a scenario where, just like we were talking about the Michigan thing with the jerseys, like there has got to be, a, you cannot be Gene Smith, Ryan Day, Chris Holtman, and reacting to, and their equivalents around the country, reacting to what other kids are doing at other schools. There has got to be a set of ground rules that everybody abides by. Otherwise, it's lawlessness. And this is the first one that's like, I'm, this is one where I, I don't really know what to do here. Do you have power over these kids if you're Texas A&M? You don't. I mean, for example, this is obviously before NIL since we're like two weeks into it, but like Kendall Sheffield, corner Kendall Sheffield when he was at Ohio State, the kid that transferred from uh, Alabama, went yeah. to uh, you know went to a JUCO, then transferred to Ohio State, ended up being a third-round pick. He didn't do interviews until Rose Bowl Media Day uh, his of his final year, and he just told Jerry he didn't want to do interviews, and Jerry – you know, abided by that. So they cannot make the kids do interviews. Now you could say now, now that they're getting paid, maybe <laughs> they're not technically amateurs anymore, but no, this is going to be a mess and I don't know how they're going to handle it. Um, you know, again, like you mentioned, it's my contention and you said the same thing that I don't, I don't think Ohio state could prevent and maybe they could try, but it would be a PR nightmare for them. What if the kid went on social media, Bo, with all this empowerment to the players and everybody's like, we got to get these kids paid for what they're doing. Let's say a kid goes on there and says, well, I had this $10,000 deal, but Ohio State's not letting me do it. And Whew. it's, you know, oh man, it, it, that would blow up faster than a few years ago when they had the, remember the, you can't tweet at the Urban Meyer press conference that, that, that lasted for one day. That Ohio State is so big. They put that you can't tweet at an Urban Meyer press conference. Some of us complained about it. And then that was like a national story. The next day, Ohio State rescinded yeah. it. This would be that times a million. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. And again, you you get back to, so I'm only going to talk to Bucknuts. I'm not going to talk to 11 Warriors or vice versa. Like, it, it's just, I, again, I think we, we're going to have the Wild West this year. There's no governing body. I think it's going to take a wild year like this, maybe two. But eventually, I, I think you're right. I think the the major ADs, maybe the the commissioners of the Power Five conferences would be the best way to do it, but I don't have any faith in Kevin Warren at all. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to at Big Ten Media Days, Bo, is to ask him, why didn't you believe in the authenticity of the letter from Ohio State's parents? Like, There's so many things I want to ask this guy. I'm sure he'll filibuster for well, like, curious, the full 30 minutes. I'm curious but. to see what that looks like, if it, what he allows and what they allow and how open he is to answering those questions. We're going to get into that in a second. One last thing on this point. So $10,000, you get to talk to this Isaiah Spiller and Damani Richardson from Green Print Real Estate Group. They better be interesting. Right. Right? Right. If you're, if you're paying them $10,000 a piece, they better be interesting. And then, because now they are employees, to a certain extent, 
of this website and this sponsor. They are employees. So now you say to yourself, so let's say you you work for TexasEggs.com and you go interview Isaiah Spiller and he doesn't give you much. Say it's not that interesting. I mean, let's be real. These are college kids. They aren't always that interesting. Not every kid's Tyvis Powell, right? Not every kid's Joshua Perry. Not every kid has a lot to say. Some of them don't. I don't know if these kids do or not. I have no idea. But if you're them and you say, hey, man, we're paying you. You, you got to say something interesting or not. Like they, The only way this works is if there's clicks on the other end. And they'll never say anything negative about them, Bo. Think about that. You're like, let's say you're a subscriber to Texas Ags, and you're not going to say anything negative if you're a writer for that site. I mean, maybe if you're doing your job well, you will. But if you're paying these kids $10,000, let's say they get in trouble with the law. Let's say they're just playing terrible, and you're paying them $10,000. Are you going to be a true journalist and say that this, they're, you know, and call a spade a spade and say they're not playing well or this guy's getting in trouble off the field? Are you going to be like, well, we're paying them $10,000 so we can't say anything? It's going to be the latter. No, I think it'd go the other way. I think they could go, we're paying you 10000 so we can. I can say whatever I want about you. I'm paying uh, okay. you. Okay, that's true. That's I would true. take it from the perspective of you're an employee of mine now. I'm I just wonder if these fan sites content. will do that, though. I, I just wonder if they'll I don't do know. that, though. They, they won't want to make There's their own guys look bad. They won't want to make their own guys look bad. No, I think you're right there. But I, this is... I, this blew my mind. I don't know how this gets sorted out, but it's going to have to get sorted out quick because there's going to be copycat deals that are going to happen around the around the league. And it, I mean, if it's ten thousand dollars for these two, like what would CJ be worth if he wins the job? <laughs> Bidding war. Like we can talk about running backs and safeties, right? DJ down at Clemson for his exclusive thoughts for the entire year. What's that worth? My goodness. So that that has to get sorted out in a, in a pretty big hurry. Otherwise, the, the control is going to completely be lost, and you're not you're going to have answering to nobody. Honestly, uh, Big Ten media. You're looking for leadership. We didn't have it last year in the Big Ten. Do we have it now? We get into that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on the fan. The off season is a myth, serving you 24 hours a day, seven days a week to feed your sports addiction. The fan, Ohio sports destination. A linebacker and a man of leisure. This doesn't even make sense. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. And Dave Biddle in for three. So is Chops. Time for a pop-up movie review. Hit it, Chopper. All right. Space Jam, A New Legacy is at least amusing, but it just lacks the charm of the first one. It's hard to say why, but it probably lies somewhere in the this is a billboard for Warner Brothers ness of the whole thing. LeBron gets sucked into the server along with one of his sons, and he must beat an algorithmic Don Cheadle in a basketball game to free them and others. It's Space Jam, but in a computer. I thought the team assembly part through various WB properties was fun and somewhat clever, but they went too far with the crowd at the game being characters from various other IP they own, including like a clockwork orange being in there. Who's that for? Who's watching Space Jam and is like a huge fan of A Clockwork Orange? So I I thought that was distracting to say the least. It was filled with little gags, some good, some cringe. Overall, though, I just wanted them to be more Looney Tunesy. It just seemed like random stuff they were throwing at the wall. This was more of a mishmash of whatever they could think of. Sometimes to the point where you question if this movie was even aimed at kids. The most important question for me was sort of answered: Did the events of the first Space Jam actually happen in this reality? The tunes reference it, but instead of being living beings in the center of the earth, they live in this server with all sorts of other fictional characters in stories. This is where my mind was for most of the movie, and we never got a clear, definite answer. 
We do know Michael Jordan exists in this world, though. Also, the scoring in the game made no sense, to the so the tension was limited there. Furthermore, the other basketball stars only showed up in live action for one scene with a bad green screen. Needs some Barkley screen time. Space Jam 2 gets a C. So interesting. What, so I had my, the kids saw it on Friday. Like my middle son and Bootsy both had nightmares because of the. There's, is there one of the clowns in it or something? Like is one <laughs> of their horror like Kramer. Uh, Pennywise from it, it was in the crowd. Yes, that's it. Yeah, like I go. I go. Wait a second. Why was there a scary clown in Space Jam? And then and then I yeah. So I don't. I haven't seen that movie. But so I went and. Bootsy had it on, you know, because it's streaming on HBO Max. And I said, boy, that guy's that's a little bit much. That's aggressive. Do we need that guy in there? So to your point, Chops, it almost is like who's it seems like who's it for? It's for Warner Brothers to say, look at all these properties we own. (laughs) Yeah, it's the C. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Did your did you guys see it, Bids? Anybody? You kids see it? No, they don't have any interest in it, to my knowledge. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so that was the boys liked it. I mean, I, they liked it, but it wasn't. Uh, I think all of I think two out of the three said they preferred the other one to this one. The other one was far more, according to them, like far more fun. The live so, action uh, stuff we'll with see. the athletes is what I miss the most because, like, that's some of the funniest stuff when they're at like the psych ward and stuff in the first one, and they're, yeah. they're talking to the players. And Barkley gets shown up playing one on one by just random people on the street, and the the girls telling him "Wanna be be gone." That stuff was fun, and that's completely yeah. absent in this one. That's a shame. Uh, completely absent last year from the Big Ten was leadership. Um, completely absent last year. Um, and so we're left going into a second season. And by the way, I will acknowledge this. Kevin Warren took a lot of slings and arrows. Deservedly so. But he was doing what the presidents of the member institutions wanted. He was not some all-powerful being who did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, without checks and balances. He was a first-year commissioner who the presidents of this league chose and was doing what they wanted. He's same thing that Emmert's doing. Like, and we can we can throw stones at both of them, but they are doing what the presidents want them to do. Their constituents are happy with them. Now, I don't know if the constituents are as happy as Warren as they are with Emmert since he gave him a raise. Um, and I think he's going into a brutal second year. Let's also acknowledge this, and then we'll crush him. Pandemic, name, image, name, image, and likeness. First two years. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. He he uh, did inherit an interesting situation, but he could not have handled it any worse. But to your point, you laid it out perfectly. He deserves the heat that he has received, but it's not just him. It's certain university presidents, and it wasn't Christina Johnson. She's not one of the ones we're talking about. She was new kid on the block. She's not now. I think she will throw her weight around more. Ohio State needs to throw its weight around. They need to act like what Texas does in the Big 12. Yep. Texas is like, listen, we run this show, and Oklahoma's like, eh, not so much. But, <laughs> but still, Texas threw their weight around. Ohio State needs to do that. But, yeah, you hit on it. Uh, Mark Schlissel up at Michigan was completely against playing football. There were others. The Northwestern president changed his tune, finally came around. But there were certain presidents that wanted nothing to do with playing football. And Kevin Warren had to take the heat for them. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous what they did last year. Hopefully, 
Um, they'll get it right this year. They're not going to make kids sit out if they've been vaccinated. And like we were talking about earlier, yeah. if you're asymptomatic, but you somehow test positive, even if you've been, which is possible, if you've, you're not going to get hospitalized probably, but you can still get COVID sure. if you've had the vaccination. But like we were saying earlier, hopefully this year they're a little bit more sensible. Um, I think they will be. Maybe I'm being optimistic there. I can't wait to hear Kevin Warren at Big Ten Media Days. Now, like I said, he's only going to be talking for a half hour. I'm stealing my buddy Steve Hellwagon's line here. He'll filibuster for 15 minutes, and then I correct this to you. I think he'll probably filibuster for a half hour. <laughs> we might not even get oh, a yeah. question, and he'll just talk about the greatness of the Big Ten and academics and everything. It's like, can I ask you a question about uh, all that crap from last year, sir? Um, so I don't even know if we'll get legit questions in or if he'll even answer them. Um, but I cannot wait to actually get a chance to ask Kevin Warren some some tough questions because when Ohio State's parents wrote that letter, for him to question the authenticity of that was ridiculous on his part. And you had to, now we know the text exchange from Christina Johnson and Gene Smith where Dr. Johnson's like flummoxed. She's like flabbergasted that, that what he doesn't believe that this is authentic. Like what, what is he saying here? So he has right. some serious, he's, he's got some splaining to do, Bo. He does. Yeah, he does. And, and he also needs to play a central role, like him or not. He's going to play a central role in everything that we were just talking about in name, image, and likeness. Because someone's going to have to lead on that front. The, the quickest way to get the Power Five together in terms of coming up with ground rules is the conference commissioners. So they're going to have to get on the same page, you know, in a hurry. And so he's got a critical role. Uh, he's, he's going to play a critical role in this. Now, I'm with you, and I've said it forever. Ohio State needs to act like Ohio State. They don't need to act like Rutgers. Throw it around. Throw the weight around. Be selfish. Mm-hmm. Texas is selfish. Oklahoma is selfish. Do that. You need to. Because you need to serve your best interests of your constituents, not worry about Michigan or Michigan State or somebody else. Like It seems like Penn State's pretty like-minded. It seems like Nebraska's pretty like-minded. Iowa, push it. You're going to have to push. Um, so this will be fascinating. We'll get Howard Griffith's take on this. And, and where the Big Ten stands and, and it, how we're going to navigate these waters with the image and light is going to be fascinating. Uh, he will join us with uh, his thoughts on Big Ten Media Days coming up at the end of the week. That's coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets Hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. A show that knows its limitations. You'll learn to control that. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. And Dave Biddle in for James today in the next couple of days. When we talk Big Ten football, we love to do it with Howard Griffith, former Illinois great. BTN football analyst joining us on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Uh, Howard, thank you so much for taking the time. Lots to get to with Big Ten Media Days coming up. But let me just start with your view. I'm sure you've seen the story out of Texas A&M with the players signing exclusive deals uh, for yeah. for exclusive feature interviews at $10,000. And I'm I'm pro player. This is long overdue. Let the kids make yeah. all the money they can off their name, image, and likeness. I don't know where you stand on it, but that's where I do. Uh, but this does seem a little like a slippery slope to me. Um, how do you view this in regard to? And by the way, coming on the same week of media days. Yeah, I think it's great for the players. I think I've been a supporter of this, you know, in the very beginning and. You know, it's one of those things, and you mentioned it's going to be a slippery slope. Absolutely, it definitely is. I mean, there are going to be some growing pains that uh, universities and players are going to have to deal with as they continue to to, to try to navigate th- this area. But there's there's going to be issues that pop up, and you know whether it's hey the kids uh, the young people are spending too much time 
with the social media and doing other things outside of being a student athlete and also being, you know, being out there and competing, there's going to be some issues that are going to come up. But the discipline teams, I think the teams that have, you know, embraced this and just, you know, put a real good plan together, I think are teams that are going to be able to have a great deal of success and won't have as many issues as some other programs that are going to have them. Howard, so many uh, things I'd like to ask you, but I'm going to start in your wheelhouse at Illinois. Uh, Brett mm-hmm. Bielema taking over. What's the vibe like Champaign-Urbana right now, and what do you expect out of Coach Bielema there? Well, it's exciting. It's an ex- exciting time. Uh, you know, Lovey Smith you know, did the best job he could, but when you think about personalities and, and really playing to the camera, that was never really one of his strong suits. And you know, now you've got Brett, who's, who's been around this conference, has had success in this conference. Uh, he's really got the fan base excited. He's going to have, I believe, you know, 20, 20 plus super seniors. So we'll have a lot of leadership on that team. Uh, but like most teams, there's a lot of work they've got to get done. They've got to, you know, to, to prove it on the field because they've really been struggling, you know, the last several years. So people are excited that he can get in there, turn it around. He's doing well out on the recruiting trail, not necessarily bringing in, obviously, the four and five stars right now, but he's really making a conscious effort to work the. Um, state of Illinois really hard and also the surrounding areas. Howard, you know, we, we're we close to it, obviously, because we talk about it daily with Ohio State football, and it does feel that uh, there's been a pretty big separation that just keeps almost getting bigger and bigger in regard to where Ohio State is and where the rest of the Big Ten is. In regard to your job as an analyst for the Big Ten, do you see that separation as big as we see it, and do you see it as a problem for the league, and do you think there's a solution for the other teams in the league? Well, I mean, the solution, right, is to compete on the recruiting trail, right? I think that's where it starts. It starts with players. You have to be able to get the best players that you can get for your program and also, along with that, getting the best fit for those pro- for your program. Is Ohio State continuing to widen the gap? Absolutely. I mean, it's listen, I think Penn State is a really talented football team. And they struggled a little last year, but I was excited to, you know, they still rallied and, and, and were able to salvage the year. But when you go down the roster uh, and look at what Ohio State has, you know, it's hard to, to imagine anyone else in a conference that, that has a roster that's even close. And you just look at it, and it's not. So it, it's, is it tough? Yeah, it's tough, but everybody's got to go out and recruit. You know, it's better when Michigan is, is, is doing a great job on the recruiting trail, but they've underachieved. Right. The same thing. We look at Nebraska. I mean, they since they've gotten to the conference, we've all been waiting for them to take that next step. They haven't been able to do that. Michigan State slipped back, and Ohio State is one of those programs that, that we don't see slip. It uh, just continues to get better each and every year. Howard, I think when Urban stepped down at Ohio State, I think a lot of teams around the league were like, okay, now this is our chance. This is our chance. And, and Ryan Day <laughs> steps in, and there's been no drop-off. I mean, I know, I know it's a small sample size. It's just two years. But the way he's recruiting, the way he handles his business, the way he runs that offense, I mean, are you surprised there's been no drop-off from Urban to Ryan Day? I'm really not. Only from the, the side of what they were doing. And I, I go back to the recruiting side. I mean, you you got to have great coaches around you're going to lose some coaches, but you have to be able to keep that system in place. And I think one of the things that really was very clear that as long as Mickey Marotti was, was running the conditioning and the strength program and really who's dialed into those guys, uh, Mark Pantone, who does a great job of, of building that program and continues to do so uh, behind the scenes, there's really no drop-off. There hasn't been. And, and in some areas, you can argue 
they're better than they were when Urban. And specifically, I'd say at the wide receiver spot. Because I think there is a little bit of a, a tweak in we're going to go out and get wide receivers who are polished in route running. And, oh, by the way, they can run fast, too. And I think if you go back and you look at a lot of Urban's guys who really still had a great deal of success, but I think speed was at the top priority for those guys coming in. And then we teach them how to run routes. But Brian Hartline is doing an unbelievable job of, on the recruiting trail and also developing his receivers in that receiver room. And, and every, all those coaches are, but when you start to think about, for me, when I think about this team really taking off and, and really where it's not close, that receiving room is a room that, that to me jumps out because they have those type of players, those dynamic players that are, that are in that room competing on a daily basis. Howard Griffith, our guest, our guest, Illinois great BTN football analyst. Uh, love having you on, Howard. Uh, you mentioned Michigan. It was one of our – we're doing 20 questions that we will have answered by the time uh, we get through the season. One of them was on Jim Harbaugh, and the question's a pretty simple one, and is at this point in his tenure, how do you define success for him at Michigan? So I'll put it to you. How would you define success for Harbaugh this year at Michigan? He's got to, he's got to get to the championship game. And and I, and that's that's hard to do, right? Because Ohio State's sitting in the way, Penn State's sitting in the way. I mean, they have not they they've not met expectations. I, I think Coach Harbaugh would be the first one to tell you that. Now he's made some tweaks to the coaching staff uh, on the defensive side, um, so we'll see if they're able to to really be able to catch up and, and make plays. Listen, they go out and dominate the teams they're they're supposed to, but the teams that are as good or as talented as they are or better, those are the games that they have to be able to win. But, you know, they haven't been able to do that thus far. And I think, you know, developing at the quarterback position is going to be key. I think when you look around the league, you look at other leagues and teams that you believe that can compete for um, conference championships and then move on to the 14 playoff, you've got to have a quarterback. That that player has got to be able to keep you in the game. And it's just not all about uh, that position. But if you don't have one, it's going to be a lot tougher to get there because this winning championships is, is all about scoring points on the offensive side. You can have a great defense. That's great. But once you get to that 14 playoff and you're trying to position yourself to have a chance to win it, of winning it, you better be able to score points. And, and that's something that they haven't been able to do against the, the top flight programs that are out there. Especially the way his contract is now structured, Howard, with uh, no buyout, you know, less money per year with the incentives. It's like it feels like it could be his last year unless he he does what you said. If he can beat Ohio State and get to the championship game, it won't be his last year. But man, if he goes yeah. seven and five or something like that and loses to Ohio State again, do you think this is his last year at Michigan? It's tough, you know. You know, I don't know if it would be his last year. Um, you know, listen, it's a tough. That's a tough side of the. the of the conference to be on in the East right now. And yeah, we're talking about Ohio State, but heck, Indiana isn't going anywhere. Those guys are just getting better over there. But I think to get back to your question, you know, I think you have to give Harbaugh also a little credit as well for even signing the contract that he signed. Because, I, you know, again, I go back to, you know, he, nobody's going to put more pressure on him than he is. And he wants to go out and succeed. He doesn't want to uh, go out and not be able to uh, have his program in the best spot that it could be in. But at the end of the day, it's all about results. At the end of the day, it's about winning. Um, and he hasn't been able to do that in the manner that I think people that want Michigan to be great again, their fan base, to be able to get in that situation. And you know, hopefully you know, some of the 
some of the decisions he's made on the offensive side. Hopefully he's able to develop that quarterback. I think Josh Gaddis is going to be a head coach at some point. Uh, I think he's really innovative in his schemes. But the offense and the defense have to be working together uh, in concert. They can't be individuals. You got your offense over here. They have to be able to complement each other. And hopefully they're in a much better spot where they can do that this year. Howard, I'll get you out of here on this one. What what player, coach, individual are you most looking forward to hear from uh, Thursday and Friday with Big Ten Media Days? Wow, there's there's so many, right? There's so many yeah. great storylines, whether it's Mike Lockley at Maryland, who has a really talented team. Can they take the step? But but I think to me, it's probably P.J. Fleck, right? Go back two seasons ago, unbelievable season. They don't play nearly to the level that they needed to last year. And, and listen, there are a lot of things, obviously, COVID going on and, and different things like that. But he made a switch at the offensive coordinator position. That didn't quite work out the way they needed to. They're bringing back an experienced quarterback in Tanner Morgan. So to me, I, I think one of the people I want to hear from is P.J. Fleck because I, I know he wants to compete. He doesn't want to be seen as a, uh, a one-hit wonder. He wants to be able to build that program and be able to do it back-to-back. Uh, so I think that'll be the person I'll be most interested right now to to really have a chance to hear from and see what his plan is going to be and how his team's been adjusting uh, this offseason. Yeah, that's a fascinating one. Howard, always good talking to you, bud. Look forward to watching you on television, I'm sure, at the end of the week, and thanks for your time. All right, guys. Take care. Stay safe. All right, that's Howard Griffith, one of the best, BTN analyst, Illini great uh, on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. We hit three things on a Monday. Up next, Bishman Laurinaitis right here in the fan. Buckeyes, Jackets, Crew, and Panama Ted yelling about something being too hot. I don't understand it either. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Bo is well-groomed. James brings the boom. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, time for three things on a Monday. Hit it, Chopper. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurinaitis. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. All right, number one for me, we had a uh, neighborhood block party. And if you're asking, well, why? Good question. It's valid. (laughs) Very good question. But we did. So... The blonde was like, oh, yeah, I'm in charge of, like, desserts for the kids. And so it was, you know, like, she's like nutty buddies and, you know, these popsicles with the rockets looking things and all this. And I said, I'm going to do you, let me do you a personal favor. You go buy a 25 or 100 pack of flavor ice, that's undefeated. She's like, oh, come on. I'm like, I'm telling you, not only is there no mess, the kids are going to crush them. That's the winner. Uncle Bo was right, kids flavor ice are undefeated totally i like that one okay my first thing reds need to get off the schneid tonight they need to beat the mets 7 10 p.m at the great american small park in cincinnati reds on a three-game skid they need to beat the mets tonight where are they they're in second place but they're like (laughs) they're like what are they seven games back there were four games back at the break they come out against the brewers who they just swept and then they get swept so pretty big swing games over three over 500 okay yeah three over 500 they still got it i mean 
the Brewers are going to win that division, and and two teams from the West will make two will of the, the West wild card teams. So you're not the Reds will be the first team out probably. They'll be second place in the Central, maybe, and maybe the Cardinals or Cubs will catch them, um, and they'll probably be the first one out of the wild card. So hey, I said before the season if they can just keep it interesting, stay above 500, I'll be happy. I need to stick with that, but it's easier said than done. My first thing, I got this pushback from a couple of people after talking about my new lawnmower after I, I was able to work enough with my foot, get the lawn mowed, and people coming at me like, oh, an electric lawnmower, nothing says man like that. I'm sorry if you've fallen for whatever weird marketing push makes you think that gasoline is somehow manly. It doesn't make any sense. It's a tool. It mows the lawn. It gets the job done. If it's battery powered, I don't care. I don't care what powers it, but that's the one I have, and it's actually easier to use because I don't have to buy gasoline. I don't have to change the oil. It's lighter. So, no, the whole weird thing with gas being like what a man uses, that's weird. Sit down. You know, good job out of you, Chops. I uh, I haven't bought gas for a couple years, and I still feel like I'm a man. I feel like I'm doing just fine. So I, I, that's a good job out Are of you. Are you 40? You're a I'm, man. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah, that's right. There you go. Yeah, and I don't buy gas because I don't need to. <laughs> um, number two for me. So today, this was our last sports camp of the summer. It's, uh, the, it's a lacrosse camp for the two bigs. So this is the first time that my middle is going to one of these. Like, away all day, big brother's going with him. And just a reminder to me, it hit me like a ton of bricks because he was kind of a little nervous. Man, life comes fast. Life comes at you fast, kids. And especially with the kids. Like, it seems it's impossible to me that he's old enough to go to this thing. Uh, But he is, and he did it, and the early reports are that it's going well. So good job out of you, Beamsy, but don't grow up so fast, buddy. Well said. <laughs> they do. They grew up way too fast. All right. Uh, my second thing is I'm a huge stand-up uh, comedy fan. I haven't like sat down and watched a special. And most of these are specials that I've already seen, but I haven't watched one in a while. So I think I'm gonna sit down and watch uh, one of my favorites, which is Dave Chappelle's Sticks and Stones. But you know, I'm kicking around some other ideas. I like Bill Burr. I like Anthony Jeselnik. I like uh, Tom Segura. But I think I'm gonna sit down and watch the Goat, Dave Chappelle. Have, have you seen uh, Maniscalco's? I, I like him as well. Yeah, I like oh, him as well. He's, he's not he's not my top me. four, but I like him a lot. Yeah, I like Chris he Rock. kills me. Yeah, he's yeah, good. He just kills me because it feels like I'm exactly. I mean, I just feel like I view the world like most people are idiots. <laughs> my second one. We took Kit out to Darby Bend Lake yesterday. They've got a little area with like a beach type thing where you can let the the dogs in. So we're trying to get her to swim. She likes the water. She's not afraid of the water, but she is afraid of losing her footing. We couldn't get her to to go out and and chase the ball very much. Although she would wait for other dogs to come back from swimming and then try to steal the ball from them. And it's like, no, you got to earn the ball. It's out in the water. Uh, one time she chased after a dog and, and doggy paddled back in, but we'll have to take her back again, see if she can get more comfortable. Throw her in a pool. Just throw her in. It. Yeah, because they swim. When you throw them in, then they swim. Uh, number three for me. It, so the boys, we were a late start to summer. We're exactly at the halfway point. There's, I think there's 10 weeks of summer for the kids because they had a late start. So 10 weeks were at the exactly the halfway point was actually over the weekend. Ohio, I need you to deliver, man. Okay. You have blown it to this point. We need some sun. We need some non-rain. I don't need biblical rain. Let's go. You got five and a half weeks. Sort it out. My third thing, I ate a healthy breakfast, and I'm going to ruin that by finding something junky to eat for lunch. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I, I, it probably won't won't be healthy. I'm going to I'm going to just that's that's how I roll. I'll eat uh, healthy for a little bit, then I'll completely it ruin balanced. it by eating something junky. Yeah, that's how I have the the, the dad bod that I do. 
I support going into lunch, not knowing what you're going to get, but knowing it's not going to be good for you. <laughs> Just knowing that that's the prerequisite. My it's going to la- taste good. My last one, I think my parents are trying to steal my dog. I got separate texts from them. It's like the only people who texted me all weekend. And both of them were asking, when's the next time we, we watch Kit? When's, when do we get the dog again? And I was like, you'll you'll get a chance to watch her. We've got places to be that sometimes that's going to come up. But no, you cannot have her indefinitely. Rain check all of that for when you have kids. And then see how eager they are to watch. So just take all of those and bank them, Chops. And then when you have the children, then say, hey, remember all these times you want to watch the dog? Well, now the children. You Good can advice. watch them now. Um, all right, we're back tomorrow for more fun. Rothman and Ice up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here in the fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.